Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. First Friday in June, it is here. It will be a scorcher, not only today, but this weekend as well. Good Friday morning to you, Kevin Bowen. Jake Quarry and Mark Dykton. Do they still do that uh, food truck Fridays on the circle? Mark was saying they were supposed to be doing... Today's like a donut day. Donut day usually is what's on the circle. I did see National Donut Day, and I thought it was the sixth time we've had that already in 2023. (laughs) Usually I I think Salvation Army's on the circle, and they're giving out donuts and coffee. I did did not see that today. Well, I'm kind of with Kevin on this. Like, haven't we done... Is this like every six weeks now? It's like, yeah, there's there's National Pizza Day. There's National Deep Dish Pizza Day. There's National Pizza Slice Day. There's I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff. What's national name... Like each each day has a, a name to mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. So what's, usually multiple names. What is simply National Weird Name Day, where we just recognize all of the other 364? Because at this point, I think we start skipping, like we start repeating, right? Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not one that's going to be like, oh, National Donut Day. I'm not <laughs> taking part in that. I mean, I will happily. Take part in that on this Friday. I mean, you got Quack Daddy, you got Jacks, you got Longs. We got, I mean, we have a whole smorgasbord of that. I swear, every time I go by that Krispy Kreme at 86 in Allisonville, that thing is, that line is backed up to it's calling your the name. Keystone Mall. June 2nd, there. National Donut Day, American Indian Citizenship Day, Isabel Province Day, Republic Day, Italy. National Bubba Day, National First Ladies Day, National I Love My Dentist Day, National Janice Day, National Leave the Office Early Day. I will celebrate that one, I think, today. That sounds like a Friday in the summer. National Rocky Road Day, National Rotisserie Chicken Day, Platinum Jubilee Bank Holiday, and Randall Fox Labor Day. Now, National Janice Day. Can you go back to that, please? Mm -hmm. Joplin? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say. I I don't know. And then did we get a Bubba Watson in there? Did I see that? It was National Bubba Day. I don't know. That would be Bubba Gump. Sounded like you also covered like a five course meal in there with a rotisserie chicken, a little rocky road on the side, yeah, a little rocky road yeah. action there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of the Rockies, last night they're certainly lighting one up in Denver okay. as they go up one zero in that one. Really not too competitive. I mean, sure, Miami I guess made a run or two that Michael Malone would say, "All right, I'm taking a timeout because I cut it to ten, but. Uh, certainly not fourth quarter drama last night. Nikola I could not Jokic. have been more wrong, by the way. I apologize to the, somebody who texted me that said, I put so much money down because you were confident on Miami in game one. <laughs> My bad. Uh, yeah, Denver certainly controlled that one. They continue to stay undefeated at home. And the thing about Jokic, you watch him in the first half last night, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to shoot. I'll just quarterback. I'll just distribute the ball. And then in the fourth quarter, when Miami, you know, I think in the playoffs we get this little bit, oh boy, they've cut it to 10. The crowd is starting to clap in unison. The home crowd's a little nervous. Jokic is like, all right, give me the ball. I'll score. It's just, it's a master class in being able to control the game as a passer and when you need to as a scorer. And beautiful from him last night. Uh, and Jamal Murray, that MVP bet, I would say after game one, he's certainly in the running for it. He's a really good player. His, You, you know, the thing that Jamal Murray does that I think is kind of a lost art, obviously, his ability when he drives towards the basket 
if he get if you know if he gets cut off basically he's a much better driver than i thought he is and he's also really good kevin at stopping and spinning and turning it into a mid-range jumper the mid-range jump shot is just such a lost art quite frankly um and you know what did we say yesterday when we were talking about denver it's you know what you're getting out of Jokic. You know what you're going to get more often than not out of Jamal Murray. It's the auxiliary pieces, and when Porter and and Aaron Gordon in particular, Aaron Gordon started out. What he have fourteen in the first quarter? Yeah, he was mismatch central. And so heat. yeah, like when when those guys are clicking, it's it's going to be really tough for Miami. And you know, I think we have this question. We've had it all playoff long, and to be fair to them, they have certainly. The bright lights of the playoffs as it's moved along has not been too big for him. But boy, Max Struess and Caleb Martin last night, the two undrafted guys, couldn't throw it in the ocean. I also am sitting there That's watching. a long throw from Denver. Yeah, that is. That, but I guess there are some um, different sorts of water <laughs> basins that they could venture to around that city. Um, is Cody Zeller Birdman? Less the tattoos? Like... It's Cody Zeller's had a, I don't know how to describe his NBA career. What would you, what would you say? Fine NBA career. I mean, he's a top five pick, and it's kind of a what the fourth best player on the Hornets was that his main? I think that's a fair role statement. when he was there. And I watched him last night. I'm just like, boy, I I can see why Cody Zeller was not on the NBA roster until three months ago. In the heater and scramble mode. I mean, Bam played terrific last night, but you you just have to have more out of those undrafted guys. And, you know, scoring was a huge issue for them in the regular season, and it was again last night, just 20 in I the mean, first quarter. I mean, when you're not even getting to 100. I mean, it's not like Denver ran away with it, but I never got one ounce of if you took Denver in the points. I, I mean, I should say if you just took Denver, I don't think you ever were nervous throughout that game. Okay, the... The Miami Heat, I don't know if this is a, a sign of incredible depth or a sign that they were in trouble last night. They got 18 points out of a guy named Haywood Highsmith. Yeah, another undrafted guy. Now, Haywood Highsmith sounds like it would be... Haywood Highsmith sounds like the rival high school guy on like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that plays in one of those like cheesy gems on some like in some bad sitcom on the CW. Now, he went to Wheeling Wheeling Jesuit is where he went to school. Oh, is that West Virginia? I'm assuming that's in West Virginia. Is he a Marshall guy? It is a Division 2 school in Wheeling, West Virginia. He's a native of Baltimore. Either one of you guys want to guess the mascot of Wheeling Jesuit? Uh, the Mountaineers. <laughs> Mark? The Miners. The Miners. Wildcats. Oh, excellent, excellent. Not Neither one correct. Cardinals. No. But again... They know baseball. My, it is... A, <laughs> they have the smartest fans at Wheeling. Mm-hmm. It is amazing how Miami just finds these guys and is in you know and they're in the finals with them but last night yeah denver gets out to basically 10 12 point lead and it was kind of over from there you know i thought mark jackson made a really strong comment last night and you can insert your mark jackson nikola Jokic mvp votes here but jackson said at one point and it might have been early on because again Jokic doesn't take a shot until like just this cherry pick layup to end the first quarter that was the only shot of the opening quarter they're up nine and mark jackson said at his heart he wants to be a passer 
or at his heart, he is a passer, and he wants you to double-team him. And when you watch Jokic play, I think that's so spot-on. Like, at seven foot, he just wants to see over everybody. He wants to facilitate like none other. Again, direct traffic, be the quarterback. He's so, so skilled at it. Jake, I'm probably stretching with this one a little bit here. But watching him last night, and based off the main topic we had on yesterday's show, Zach Eady returning to Purdue, it got me thinking a little bit more to the, could Zach Eady, is it more realistic for Zach Eady to impress NBA scouts with his passing next year or his shooting? Like, think back to Trace Jackson Davis last year. I think Trace did a wonderful job in his final season in Bloomington, not necessarily saying, hey, watch me shoot an 18-footer, watch me shoot a corner three. It was, if you're going to double-team me, I'm going to make the right play, and I can be an assist guy. That is something that I'm curious with Edie about. I I thought he did a nice job decision-making-wise, like when teams doubled him, and certainly Purdue could help him out by just hitting a few more open shots. And by no means am I saying Zach Eady's going to turn into Nikola Jokic from a passing standpoint. But when Zach does get to the NBA, if people do double him, I think a big part of it will be, all right, can you make the right play? Can you be a facilitator? And I, I'm just interested to see if that is a little bit more of a realistic jump in his game. Okay, how does he impress an NBA scout next year that he didn't necessarily do this past year? Is it going to be shooting two threes, three, three threes a game? I, I don't see that, but I could see it. As a, you know, a nice passer that leads to direct points. I think you touched on, Kevin, something that we need to consider heading into the draft, for example, for the Pacers. And that is the total, even with all the scouting, all the metrics, all the background, everything that goes into it, exhaustively, still kind of the crapshoot of the draft in the NBA. Cody Zeller in 2013 was a top five pick that was drafted because of his offensive versatility. Well, he can shoot. He's a good passer. He's He can rebound. Look at what he did in Indiana. He was the number one high school player in the country. A year later, Nikola Jokic gets drafted in the second round, 41st overall, and he now is the player that Cody Zeller was, Cody Zeller was advertised as being. You never know. I mean, you just never know. And... Jeff Vibbert, who's a pretty funny guy, had a tweet the other day with a picture of Cody Zeller that I'm said... i Jeff. He's a good dude. He's a real good dude. He, he, he sent a tweet with a picture of Cody Zeller that said, Cody Zeller is the most Purdue-looking Indiana player of all time. Oh, it's so true. Yeah, he, he looks, he looks like, like that Dartmouth transfer they he, he had He looks like Brian ago. Cardinal and, you know, like four different players combined into one, but... Yeah, Evan Boudreau, I think was his name. Wow, that's a deep pull there. Remember that guy they had a few years ago? Yeah. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you said it yet. Uh, good morning on a Friday. Did you already say it's going to be steamy today? I guess you did right yeah, off the top. Yeah, it right? is going to be steamy. Boy, I'm thinking about that Detroit race, Jake. Didn't it used to be a doubleheader? Yeah. Graham Rahal swept it one year. I remember won both races in Detroit. And then on the public address afterwards, they're like, oh, you know, what a great weekend for you. And he's like, well, that's what Buckeyes do when they come to the state up north. Oh, boy. <laughs> nice. A smattering oh, of booze amongst the crowd at Belle Isle. Is this where they used to jump in the fountain, or am I thinking yes, of, a, of a different race? that is correct. You are correct. But they won't do it, I guess, now because no. they're downtown? Belle Isle, Belle Isle is fascinating because if you've ever been to Detroit, the Detroit River runs to the south of Detroit, and then the other side of the Detroit River 
is Canada. It is the only spot in the United States where Canada is south of the United States. And Belle Isle is in the middle of the river. I mean, it's massive. And it's a huge park that you can tell. And this is what kind of fascinates me about Detroit. There are spots all around Detroit and in primarily on Belle Isle that you can tell that if you closed your eyes and snapped your fingers and went back 70 years ago, you would be in the middle of the Great Gatsby. I mean, it's like you could tell there are huge mansions and beautiful, extravagant living. And Belle Isle has all of that, has a yacht club, but it's all from yesteryear, from the glory years of the auto industry, et cetera. And, you know, they're trying to, they, they use that race to try to kind of reawaken all of that stuff. And I love going to Belle Isle because it's just such a beautiful island. I mean, it's a, it's a park. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous, but it's kind of sad because there was a zoo there at one time. Can we get Dan Campbell Monster on the green slides. flag Sunday? I think he did it like two years ago. Oh, really? They had Charlie Batch one year do it. <laughs> and apparently Legend. Charlie Batch, like in Detroit, is... I'm trying to think of a player. But anyway, so Belle Isle was beautiful. Now it's in the streets of Detroit downtown. Um, Charlie Batch is an interesting one, Kevin, to, to segue that. I've always said this. Each city has... A player in the lore of that city that has far more connection to the fan base in the city than anybody outside of that city would realize because they weren't great players, but they were great, like community, you know, long term, stable players on a roster. Who would that be in Indianapolis? Yeah, I don't know about like necessarily, and I was just too young to necessarily know, okay, how much community involvement he has, but I always thought in those older Pacer teams, which would have been my kind of early elementary years, I always thought Derek McKee was that them i would agree with that Derek, Derek wasn't McKee. reggie wasn't rick wasn't jalen rose maybe mark jackson Although yeah mark jackson was an all-star right yeah i mean he was a pretty big he was a rookie of the year too i mean he uh, jeff foster oh feisty that's that's cody zeller now that's the goal for cody zeller that's the series can you be jeff foster yeah i swear i watched charlie batch play six thanksgiving games in a row that's probably right and he played collegiately in Michigan, so he's kind of like a local guy. You know what I mean? I thought I read somewhere that the Indy 500 winner has not won the Detroit race since Juan Pablo in 2000. That's probably right. And like, we're not even talking top five finishes, really, in the last decade. I wonder how much of that... I think I mentioned this the other day, but I, I truly do wonder about this. Obviously, in the moment and in the race, this is not applicable, okay? But do you think there was any part of Marcus Erickson, who won the race last year? So if you win the Indy 500, you're celebrating the fact you won the Indy 500, whatever else. You wake up on Monday morning, and one of the first things they have to do is you go and you take the winner's photos, which we've all seen, you know, the car on the bricks with the, you know, you do that at like 8.30 in the morning, Nine o'clock. After you come on our show, right? That's right. And then you you have to sit for like an hour while the guy, that's when they first, they, they take a picture and that's where the guy that molds the Borg Warner first gets your image is on Monday morning. Then you start doing all the media rounds and satellite tour or whatever. And then Tuesday, you're on a plane, you go to New York and you do everything there, come back. It, like it's nonstop. Do you think there's any part of Marcus Erickson on Monday after he got over the disappointment of how he lost the Indy 500 of where he said, but the upshot is like, I can do my laundry today. 
I don't have to like run around and be pulled in a million directions. You think there's any part of guys that that comes into into mind? Yeah, I mean, th- th- there might be a point maybe midweek where you're kind of like, oh wow, I'm really doing another thing. I'm I'm being pulled in a different direction. But I would venture to guess 99.9 percent of the winners, if you pulled them a month later, they would say, yeah, it was worth it. Now, if I was Joseph Newgarden, and I, I get this is not necessarily for the points race, but you get bumped out at lap, you know, 15 on Sunday, maybe that's not the end of the world. All right, let's just park it in the garage. Rest up. Yeah. 95 degrees out here. It's going to be Scorcher all weekend long. I'll be out at the Colts Complex later today. They have their second open OTA session of the spring. So we'll continue to see Anthony Richardson in those 11-on-11 practices. Take some roll call on guys that were missing from last week. See if they're back out on the practice field. Um, And I do think it's not necessarily on my like viewing plate this weekend, guys, but I, I do think I get around to it eventually in the month of June. I do USFL? En- no, not the USFL. I do enjoy watching um, the College World Series once it gets to Omaha. Oh, totally agree. And you know... We've got a lot of local flavor. I'm telling you. In this year's bracket. Well, you've got a ton of local teams in it, right? How many, how many teams in the state? So Indiana State will host a regional. Uh, they are the 14 seed, so 16 teams host the 14 regionals. Uh, so Indiana State is going to host today. They play Wright State at 1 o'clock. I think it's Iowa and North Carolina, I want to say, are the other teams in their in their region. And then down in Lexington, uh, you will have Kentucky, of course, as the host, and then uh, Indiana and Ball State are both in that regional. So I want to say it's a noon first pitch from Lexington. Ball State will take on Kentucky, and then uh, Indiana – Against, I believe, West Virginia uh, tonight down there. College baseball, Kevin, it, it it seems to me that college baseball has had kind of a, a, a surge here in the last five years or so. And hear me out on this. Because forever, when you thought of college baseball, it was like, okay, Mississippi State, Texas, like Fresno State, and you know Florida, whatever, every year. And it seems like all of a sudden now there's kind of this outside, kind of like NASCAR was. Like NASCAR was a regionalized sport that then all of a sudden became popular nationally. And it seems like college baseball is starting to get more fanfare, more eyeballs, more television coverage. Now, it's is the perfect that, time of year. Is that accurate or is it because we live in Indiana and Indiana and, you know, has suddenly, like Indiana a couple of years ago was a real player and that got people interested? So, in other words, is college baseball any more popular than it was 10 years ago, or is it just more popular in this area because our teams have gotten decent? No, I I, I really think it's the perfect time of year. I mean, uh, th- there probably is a little bit of a, yes, Indiana's made a run, Notre Dame's made a run. I think Purdue had a year where they hosted the regional up at um, what's it called the Steel Yard up in Gary. Um, but I, I just think it falls into that, that time slot, Jake, of it's post-NBA Finals. If I remember correctly, it's like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on ESPN is that best of three series in Omaha. It it falls in that little period right in between the NBA Finals ending and the NBA draft. You get it done before like July 4th holidays happen or July 4th vacations happen for people. So I tend to think it's just in a really nice spot. And, you know, the softball championships are very entertaining. Okay, that's well. the one that I think is so incredibly underrated to watch. I love and and you know what? 
I, I can't even exactly tell you what time of year it is. But when didn't we maybe just do it, the College Softball World Series? I can't remember. But I remember the girl last year from Oklahoma hit 56 home runs in four games. Yeah. It was impressive. I, is it still going? I think it's still going on, but it, I could be but wrong. The softball, to me, the college softball, I think is one of the most underrated spectator sports. It is like, it just feels super fast moving. That diamond feels so condensed and like, I don't know. There's something about it. You're right. I think it is going on right now. But I, I when it's all, I mean, I don't seek it out. I guess I, if I'm to be totally transparent. But if I turn on and I'm flipping the channels and there's and one of the games is on, I almost invariably stop and watch a little bit of it because it's usually pretty exciting. To be honest with you, uh, I should mention uh, UND as well. They are in the um, D2 um, finals, and, and I should say probably D2. I guess their version of Omaha. So they are in the final eight. It's Cary, North Carolina. I think they are the eight seed in that bracket. Uh, but I was trying to think back to when we had Paul Casaro on the UND uh, men's basketball coach this year. You know, the, I just assumed that their tournaments follow the same sort of bracket as Division One, but they don't. UND's made the baseball tournament. Only eight teams make it, so they're already to the Omaha stage, if you will. Um, so I think it's tomorrow night. I believe is their opener there from Cary, North Carolina. I did see a lot of people. Did you guys see that headline about um, the Lexington Regional, which is hosting, again, Ball State in Indiana? Uh, no hotel rooms available, so it's dorm life for the players. Really? Which I love. Dor- you like living in the dorms? I mean, think about it. How many hotel rooms do you think the starting shortstop for Indiana University has stayed in in his baseball career? 3,042 different hotel rooms. Now he gets to be in the dorms with his with his buddies. <laughs> Lexington dorms, Kentucky dorms. Do, you think they, do they have to stop at Walmart and all buy the little bathroom bucket, yeah. Oh, yeah. bucket dealio? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, you got your little caddy <laughs> here. Flip-flops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you wear the sandals in the shower. <laughs> That's right. A music festival in Lexington. Slash, oh, really? They have some... Now let's um, see who's in the music festival. They have some high school, I Hold think, on. related state finals. I think Lexington, maybe by the way, their, their very finals. underrated city. I think Lexington would be a great... Been there once, yeah. Had a good time there. If you are listening... right, Well, of course, the hotel issue, I guess, is going to rule this out. But if you want to do a day trip and go down, I think they've got a super cool restaurant. It's a very underrated town. Uh, the Lexington. I'll bet you. What's the over under on number of bands in this music festival I've even heard of? I think a few. Oh, the Railbird is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I'm Rail looking Bird? at it right here. Yep. Okay. Now, is the Railbird is that a joke on like the Louisville Cardinals by the Lexington faithful there? What's that? The Railbird is that the name of the festival? Uh, the infield at Red Mile. Yeah, that's where it is. Okay, here we go. Zach Bryan. I'm going to, real quick, Mark, we'll do it with you. Zach Brown or Zach Bryan? Zach Bryan. Zach Bryan. No, I've never heard of that. Okay, Weezer. Yes. Yes. Marcus Mumford. That's got to be from Mumford and Sons, right? Yeah, and Ted Lasso theme song, yeah. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Whiskey Myers. No. Cheryl Crow. Yes. Charlie Crockett. No. Jenny Lewis. No. Lucius. Nope. Morgan Wade. Nope. Valerie June. Nope. Bowley. Nope. Neil Francis. Heavy Heavy. Nope. Madeline Edwards. Local Honeys. Wayne Graham. Okay, so we got two in day one. Cheryl Crow seems like she's like the eye step test. Like, <laughs> who doesn't belong in here? Seriously, okay. In a positive manner. Sunday, here we go. Tyler Childers. No. Nathaniel Ratliff. Yes. Tyler yes. Childers, that is a NASCAR driver. Uh, the Head and the Heart. Yes. I saw them, actually. Uh, Goose. No. Nickel Creek. No. Amos Lee. Yes. You've heard of Amos Lee? Okay. Yeah. Ricky Skaggs. No. 
Sierra Pharrell. driver. No. Charlie Wesley. No. Godwin. I'll save you time. None of the other ones. Okay. Molly Tuttle, 49 Winchester Town Mountain, Cole Chaney, Flip Turn, Calder Allen, and Britt Taylor. I- I'm all in on this dorm life form. <laughs> I think it's outstanding. <laughs> Parties in the courtyard. Now, you granted, think- I, my history in the dorm, we had a co-ed floor. So. Do they have the oscillating phone? Fo- you have a, you had a co-ed floor? We did. Wow. Yeah, co-ed floor. Yeah, Briscoe, Gucker, 4-5. No, hold on. Five. Hold on. A five sixteen. So wait a minute. Number. What about how did the shower situation work there? Shout out to Vince, our RA. Uh, so basically, you get off the elevator, you turn right, boy floor or the boy wing, I should say. You turn left, the girl wing. Um, yeah, we were the we were the second boy uh, room. So yeah, it, it, you know, you were supposed to certainly stay on your side of it from a showering standpoint. Did you ever see one of the coeds going to the shower with their towel on? I did. Yeah. Is and that, you could make the argument that maybe one of them, you know, was trying to be seen. Oh. Was it awkward or was it like, was, well, it, was it one that you All would, of a sudden you feel like you needed to shower too. Let's think, I'm 19 years <laughs> <Okay>. old. What? <laughs> 19 year old right. male and, you know, on a college campus, I, I didn't find it too awkward. Huh. I think on a day like today, you'd probably sweat walking to your car. I think I probably sweat a little bit right after that. Okay. I, I, that surprises me. They ha- I, I knew they had co-ed dorms. I didn't know they had co-ed floors. I think floors. Frisco now is like athlete dorms, from what I've gathered. It, I, it always know, was, wasn't it? Because it's the closest to, the, to Yeah. And it wasn't athletes when, or it wasn't like athletes. Now, did you, when we your were. college roommate, how many, you lived in the dorms how long? Just one year. And did you live with a potluck roommate or? Uh, no, a high school buddy. And did you stay high school buddies? Yeah, oh yeah. Because oftentimes people are yeah. like, oh, you know. He was in my wedding. Now, here, I'll tell you an amazing dorm fun fact of my year. When I was a senior in high school at North Central, they had a thing after graduation called Blast Off, which was basically a lock-in at the school, but it was a highly anticipated, and I mean, it was very cool. And they gave away, for our entire graduating class, everybody got a raffle ticket, and they raffled stuff off throughout the course of the night. It was like from midnight to 5 a.m. or something. Oh, that's a great idea. The grand prize my sister's year was a Volkswagen Jetta. That was Whoa. the grand prize. Yeah. Uh, well, she graduated with John Giganti. And- Did she go to Orchard? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So the grand prize, there were two grand prizes of my senior year, and it was a dorm room entertainment set. So it had like a six CD changer, 1991, keep in mind, uh, like TV, VCR combo, speaker, like the whole deal, the whole entertainment system. They gave away two of them. The two people that won it were already scheduled to be roommates together in college <laughs> what are the odds of that <laughs> and how big was your graduating class uh 1180 no 1084 i think gosh that's that's big ridiculous right uh yeah shout out to vince the ra from the region he helped us remove the closet door which then if you laid the closet door on the two chairs that came with the room boom you've got a beer pong table isn't that what every RA yeah. is kind of Vince was what year? Meant for. I think Vince was a junior. Good dude. Loved him. Certainly let us get away with a few things there. Uh Dan says if you've never heard of Tyler Childress, he's definitely one of the best artists that you've never heard of. That day two lineup is legit. Okay. I, I had mean, a- I would assume if all of the hotel rooms in Lexington are booked, that's gotta be a decent lineup. I mean that's that's a that's a pretty solid I mean the head and the heart alone, they played it. White River last summer, and it was absolutely packed. I was there, and it was packed. They were great. So um, double elimination coming up this weekend for the college baseball. Speaking department. of music, I have a great musical question for you to ponder later in the program, Kevin. Okay. I put it out last night on Twitter, and it's people are stumped. 
Greg Gregster, uh, 8 o'clock. Dustin DePirac, 8.30. Another draft to work out for the Pacers. Dustin does an outstanding job covering the Pacers. Uh, a little Gonzaga flavor in the building today for the Pacers. We'll chat about that coming up in a bit. And again, out at the Colts Complex later today for the second open OTA session of the spring. Steamy, steamy Friday, National Donut Day for the 13th time this year. Kevin Bowen, Jake Corey, Mark Dykton right here on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Denver Nuggets continue to be undefeated at home in the playoffs. Uh, 104-93, does that sound right for last night? I think that's correct, yes. Nikola Jokic, outstanding per usual. Same with Jamal Murray. Some nice minutes early on from Aaron Gordon. Michael Porter uh, had a double-double for them. Uh, Denver really controlled it from start to finish there. Sunday, 8 o'clock, will be game two. Jake, I, I just I think you need Jimmy Butler to be out of his mind in order to be get, get back into this series. Yeah, it's great to get... I just good, don't trust the undrafted guys anymore. Uh, totally. It's great to get production out of those guys, but you it's the final, right? Like, you've got to get... You got to get your horses going, and you've got to get go back to what has worked for you. They they probably miss Tyler Hero as well, who they've Certainly. obviously gone through the playoffs without him. But um, at this point, you need as many weapons as possible, and Denver has them. I mean, I think the real bad news for Miami is the fact, Kevin, that and I know it sounds crazy to say because he still had I think a triple double, but Nikola Jokic did not have the typical. You know, it, it's not like he had the forty point eighteen rebound night. And yet, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. are hitting shots from the outside. It's going to be a long, long haul when you get those guys that are going, and then Jokic and Murray. And Murray was great, too. So, solid performance for the Nuggets. And my apologies to anybody who wagered on Miami because I was confident they'd win game one. Jokic had 27, 14, and 10. I know. He had, a, I mean, 75% from the floor. Like, and yet it was like a quiet – I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but that's my point, right? It wasn't like he dominated. Full control. Totally. Absolute full control. Now, again, game two Sunday night for the series. Is the button sticking? No, I didn't know if we are going to play the Jokic. Uh, oh. It's, I believe it's Jokic. Jokic, Jokic, Jokic. Should we play it? Well, Throw it in we there. Already, we switched now. We're going back in time. Let's go back in time. Let's hear from the Joker after the game one victory. That's that button, Mark. Nothing? No, sorry. It's playing, only I'm hearing it. Sorry. Right now, the most important thing is to win the game. And I'm trying to to win the game in uh, any possible way. I don't need to shoot uh, and I don't need to score. I I know I, I don't need to score. To affect the game, and I think I did a good job today. Everybody, everybody contribute. Uh, Ag, Jamal, Mike, Casey, like everybody who played contributes, on, and it's, it's it's a great win for us. Would you like to hang out with the Jokic brothers? A couple of his brothers seem kind of obnoxious. They they kind of feel like uh, they're the Gronks, Gronks of the NBA. Brother, yeah, although Jokic isn't near as demonstrative. I, you know Gronkowski. To be honest with you, Rob Gronkowski, I, I've grown to truly like though. Because I think with Gronk, in the end, I think Gronk is like, look, it was all an act. Like, I don't think he really is. Gronk is a lot smarter than he gives off? Uh, no question. You know the thing about Gronk with salary, right? Yeah, didn't he only like use his signing bonuses or something? He's He lived off of his endorsement money and he banked all of his playing money. 
It's pretty smart, right? Uh, quiet day on the diamond yesterday. Major League Baseball-wise, the Reds did lose to the Red Sox. Guardians lost to the Twins. Indianapolis Indians drop a 4-1 game to the Toledo Mudhens. Again, the Indians home all week long and next week as well. Don't look now. My Diamondbacks are a game behind your Orioles, Jake. It's going to be Don't a great battle. Now. Don't look now. I'm not looking. I'm listening Can you to the Diamondbacks. Ma- Major League Baseball thinking about an Arizona-Baltimore World Series. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Bally from everybody. I know two guys who would be all in on that one. The big story, by the way, in the NBA last night is this John Morant situation, which I think is a kind of hard to cover here. And just, I mean, it probably requires much more discussion. And I realize in the Indianapolis market, there probably is not much interest in hearing that and, and panning it all out. But essentially, Adam Silver, the commissioner in the NBA, saying that they're going to wait until after the NBA to make an announcement regarding the league office's disciplinary action against John Moran, who is indefinitely suspended by the Grizzlies. And it certainly sounded silver, essentially, and I'm, I'm, I'm not quoting directly here, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, well, here, I've got it, here's the quote. Quote, we've uncovered a fair amount of additional information, I think, since I was first asked about the situation. I will say we probably could have brought it to a head now, But we made the decision, and I believe the Players Association agrees with us, that it would be unfair to these players and these teams in the middle of the series to announce the results of that investigation. Given that we're, off court, that we're of course, in the offseason, he has now been suspended by the Memphis Grizzlies indefinitely, so nothing would have changed anyway in the next few weeks. It seemed better to park at that moment at least any public announcement, and my sense now is that shortly after the conclusion of the finals, we will announce the outcome of that investigation. Does that seem like John Morant might be missing a season? I think at least half a season. So what was, was it? Eight games originally. Yeah. Was that the first one? And was that Memphis or was that the NBA handing that out? I think Memphis kind of took the ball, and then the NBA is kind of like, yeah, that's fine. Here is yeah. my question. I, I by the way, I'm totally good with them waiting till the end of the finals. I, I think that's a smart decision. But but my question is this: Did John Morant break the law? No, but I think we see suspensions for non-breaking of the law, like Calvin Ridley in the NFL. You know, Calvin Ridley didn't break the law, but when you're an NFL player, you... He broke, a, he broke a, a clear league rule, though. Yeah. Is there a rule in the NBA that says that you can't show that you're carrying a firearm, which is legal? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I would have to probably look up some NBA rule book on that end. Um, I think they have the Gilbert Arenas thing from back in, you know, right. a Javar's decade or so back, yeah. so maybe there's that. And then I also think just being an employer, if the employer tells you, hey, don't do this, no, and I mean that's, multiple times right. doing it. Yeah, I'm playing devil's advocate yeah. to accept what I'm saying. And the one thing we don't know is, again, after the first offense or the first situation, what did the NBA and or Memphis lay down for John Morant? Yeah, and like, what did hey, man, yeah. like, you just did this. Now, you know, you have to adhere to whatever these three or four things. And, and you don't have just that either. You also have the incident with, like, at the mall or something with a pickup. Yeah. Yeah, basketball game kid. and some yeah. teenage kid and obviously all that stuff. the Pacers situation the Pacers situation then if Adam Silver is saying that they discovered even more stuff and like I think Kevin said a week or two ago what we're seeing on Instagram as opposed to what's going on when the cameras are off right what else is going on yeah 
certainly on that front. Um, game two, again, coming up on Sunday night. We'll have the Stanley Cup final starting tomorrow. That'll be on our airwaves. So that'll be the Panthers and the Golden Knights getting started there in game one. Uh, we'll talk a little Colts on the other side. Again, the open OTA session for them coming up later today. Uh, Greg Rexshaw joins us at 8 o'clock. Dustin Apirak at 8.30 on this Friday morning. 13 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock, and during the commercial break, Mark Dykton informs us that there's breaking news, according to what, the AP? Is that right? Yeah. Says, uh, 14-year-old Dev Shaw wins the Scripps National Spelling Bee with the word Samophile, P-S-A-M-M-O-P-H-I-L-E. It's something in the you ocean. You use that in a sentence. I can't use now, it. Now, wait a minute. It, I remember looking up the definition when I saw that last night. Something to do with the ocean, I believe. Well, what I'd like to know is, yeah, what's the definition of breaking news? Like, do, are there child labor laws over the fact that apparently we're having the Scripps Howard running bee, uh, spelling bee running through the late in the night? If it broke at 745, what yeah, time well, did it? Didn't one year they were worried about how late it was going, so they just ended it in a tie, which was a disgrace. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It's I never joke. know when the Scripps National Spelling Bee is. All of a sudden, it's just like, oh, it was on. I'm like, what? It used to be like an ABC event, like yeah. an 8 o'clock uh-huh. ABC, and obviously last night. Well, it was a lot more letters than just that. Game one of the finals. That'd be one of the easier words. <laughs> yeah, you, I've told you guys, and, and I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that I still lose sleep over it, but the 1984 Allisonville Elementary School Spelling Bee, it came down to myself and Jody Shear as the finalists, and I had to spell car fare, and I, I misstepped and went with IR. I kept envisioning the, the scene from breaking away with the car lot with all the flags around it. And I thought it was a fair where they have cars. And so I misspelled it and I stepped aside and they said, ooh, now if Jody spells the next word correctly, she'll win. And she got car hop. I still think that's one of the most car ridiculous. Hop. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's car fair isn't exactly a challenge. I will grant you that, but at least there Many are Many of your classmates two- will do this at some point in there. <laughs> High school careers. <laughs> Come on now. It's a different... Kevin, car hop meant like knobbies. Like you pull up and they would come out with what? roller skates and put Nobby. cheeseburgers on your window <laughs> ledge, not breaking into cars, stealing tapes. Not that I'd know what that definition of car hop meant, but I'd like to know what was going on at Cathedral High School in the... ALR Panthers is what I just said. I mean... There, I Jake, the most disappointing wow. cult from last season was who? Um, not Hale Bop. L- let me think. The most disappointing Colt. Probably a list that you could list. That was a solid. A, a, a couple of there. names on. But if you just had to go with one, I I think there's one. I mean, and it's not just okay, because of what we, this player did on the field. Are we talking of returning players? Uh, no, no. I mean, just strictly 2022 Colts roster. The most disappointing player for you is who? Uh, Matt Ryan. Would be very high on the list. Um, See, to me, I think there's a little bit more obvious one. And again, not just due to his play on the field. Largely to do with what he was doing this time last year. I got to think about that. Are we Shaquille Leonard? I would go with Kenny Moore. Yeah, okay, that's... That was almost so obvious that, you know what I mean? You think of early June last year, Jake, remember Kenny Moore was rather public in his holdout, sit-in, whatever you want to call it. He was still showing up to Colts OTAs, but for the first time in his career, he wasn't participating in them. And I, I've always said this about the Colts, and you know, cue up the whole jinx music here. Jake, in the last decade, 
I can't recall more than one Colts player getting arrested, and I can't call of I can't recall really any Colts player having a public contract dispute. Like it just it hasn't really happened for this franchise. And honestly, you could probably date back to you know early Grigson years. Like I, I didn't really see much of that with him. And that's where I kind of get to the Kenny Moore thing of, you know, you're a pro bowler two years ago. You decide to make a, again, a public, you know, stance on your contract situation. Uh, hello, Bullseye. Bullseye's on your back. Expectations rise. Uh, it, if you're going to do that, you better step up and play at least to the level we're used to, if not better. Kenny Moore did not do that whatsoever last season. Did not even sniff the sort of... You know, production numbers that we're used to. I think you can make the argument at times he's a liability for you. And now he heads into a contract here. And he said all the right things this this offseason. Um, he felt like there were some issues with him and the coaching staff. Uh, Gus Bradley, I think, has been pretty candid in talking about that as well. Uh, it's a contract year now for Kenny Moore. He makes north of $8 million this year. Again, to me, he did not sniff the return on that last season. Uh, but if you're going to do that, if you're going to be public with it, you better back it up with your play. And given that, I, I would list him as the most disappointing Probably cost season. himself some money, right? I mean, because a year ago... Kevin, and, a, and a little bit of reputation if he cares about it. Yeah, there were a lot of people a year ago that were like, they've got to sign it. You know what I mean? This is a must. you got to get it done. And it, it's funny because I saw him in the parade on Saturday. Yeah. And, and I was thinking to myself, like, okay, like, he is still here. But man, it it was kind of a disappearing act, right? And you think about the youth and around in a him. Position where they most needed stable play. And I would say that's even risen in the last you know three or four months because no Stephon Gilmore now. Where we sit here on June second, the Shaquille Leonard question remains very near the top of the list as I think biggest storylines to watch entering the season. So given that, the youth in the secondary in general, but particularly at corner. Boy, you need Kenny Moore badly. And he had been, Jake, so steady throughout oh, his you're career. Right. Such an important piece. So reliable. You stood for everything that you wanted. And, and it well, was Well, you remember weird. during um, Hard Knocks, I mean, when they announced him as a, as yeah, a pro bowler, I mean, the, the team went crazy, right? It was weird watching him go through that contract thing last spring. And I remember saying to some of my colleagues, I'm like, that is the last guy from a personality standpoint that should be going through a contract dispute. Like, he was a bad contract holdout guy. You could tell he didn't, like, really want to do it. And he kind of didn't know how to do it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm what I'm getting at. He just doesn't have the personality to be like, you know, here's Drew Rosenhaus and T.O.'s doing push-ups on the driveway. Like, when you're... If you are holding out against a franchise in a city, it's kind of hard to show the hard line that you stand when you show up wearing the minor league hockey jersey of the other team in town and showing and while attending the minor league soccer team's practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Like, boy, this looks like a guy that doesn't want to be here. Yeah, he's the dude that shows up to Car Bay at 7M's like, hey, I'm going to bong a beer, and then just pukes everywhere. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Yeah, okay. That went well. Mm-hmm. That, that was not me, by the way. That beer was a prop, if Mark Miles is listening. Um, Just a little teaspoon of a sip, Jake, out of the Little Kings. Uh, that is correct. So yesterday I'm Thanks driving. bringing me one, by Probably the way. this time last week, right? Yeah, it was right about now. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, yesterday I'm driving in my car, and you ever had this happen? A song comes on the radio. And Shout you out just, to listener Mike, by the way, for the Little Kings. And you think to yourself, 
this is a great song that like I've just always known, right? Never been a favorite, never been my favorite song, but like this is just a great song. I'm singing along like it just it's always been around, right? So I'm driving and I hear one of those, and then it segues in my brain because my brain is weird into three other songs that I think are very similar to said song. So I did a Twitter poll, Kevin. Okay. Okay. So I need you, Kevin Bowen, to weigh in on this, okay? Oh, what the hell was that? What are we doing Jump that, the gun there. You are a big Twitter poll guy. I do like doing the Twitter polls. This Should is... I look at it or are you going to tell no, me? No, we're going to play you a sample of the four songs. Okay. I want you to tell me which is the best of these four songs. I am going to assume, even with our vast age difference, that you have heard all four of these songs at some point in your life. Okay. Okay. Um, song number one. You're just simply picking which is the best song. I don't. The one that you just go, that is a great song. Okay, so well the one done. I would want to listen to. The best song of these four. Here's song, choice number one. Yeah, that would be Modern English and Melt With You. Mm-hmm. Which you might do today if you walk outside. That is correct. Choice number two. This would be, of course... Fears for fears, okay? Cup. Song three. Don't you forget about me. Don't, 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 don't. don't Simple minds and don't you forget about me. And the fourth. Bless the rains, baby. That's Africa by Toto. Right there. I go four, one, two, three. Okay, interesting. I, I am a big Africa Toto fan. Interesting, because so far, and I would love for people to vote on this, at Jake Query is my Twitter account. I think it's the most recent tweet I have, at J-A-K-E-Q-U-E-R-Y. Which of those four songs, now that I just played them, is going to be stuck in the heads of people for the longest today? Which of those four is the one that people are like, oh my God, Query played that this morning and I can't get it out of my head? Africa, I find myself whistling Africa a decent amount. Right now, Africa's at 35%. I personally find Africa to be uh, Toto's second greatest song. I like Rosanna better. Now, how did this come up? His brain. Well, yeah. Excuse me, Mark? Well, I'm just saying. That's what you said happened. <laughs> yeah, that was, I heard a song, and then I was driving. Was I was driving along. Question. Don't you Can forget about me. That question? Don't you forget about me came on the radio when I was driving, and I don't know why I was like, I always get this song confused with Everybody Wants to Rule the World, and then I was like, what other songs are kind of like it in that same ilk? And I've ne- the reason I find this interesting is because I did the Twitter poll because my brain is weird like that, but it's rare that I do a Twitter poll that is so evenly balanced, and people like went crazy over it. Right now, 35% Africa leads, so people agree with you. Now, any of these acts at the Railbird Festival in Lexington <laughs> that's forcing the Hoosiers and the Cardinals to be in the dorms? I, no. If they, so, I think they'd be in like the third or lo- third line or lower. On now, the can a. we bunk both of our beds, or do we have to keep one on the ground due to safety measures? Do they have the little oscillating phone between, like, in, in the <laughs> wall between the dorms? You got to spin it to the other side? Tell you what, getting the doctor's note for the AC unit in the window was just huge. Absolutely huge. <laughs> wow. That was big. Much needed. Uh, speaking of baseball, speaking of you, Indy, Greg Rexhaw, he's going to join us on the other side. Again, the Pacers have a draft workout coming up later today. We'll talk about that with Dustin DePirac coming up at 8.30. A good Friday morning to you. Kevin Aquari right here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. It was with uh, my mom last night, Jake. She said, 
Boy, for a second there, I thought Jake was going to ruin the final episode of Ted yep. Lasso. I had to turn off the uh, the radio earlier in the week. Hey, I I said he did not. He did not. Have you watched it yet? Did you say? Yeah. Everybody here has watched it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Maddie got well. I, I think I can say that Maddie got pretty emotional. Really? She's an emotional human. She would say that. I remember watching the finale of The Wire. I mean. 10 years after the show came out is when I watched The Wire. But when I watched the last episode of The Wire, with like 30 minutes left, I kept like pausing it and rewinding because I didn't want it to end. I didn't necessarily feel that way about this finale, but great show. I was thinking about this, and this is a little bit kind of in the weeds with soccer, but Greg Rexall will be one to throw this off of. Ray, do you think Ted Lasso on Apple TV has anything to do with the MLS on Apple TV? Because if I'm not mistaken, I believe... The entire MLS package is now on Apple. Correct. There is still a, a a linear television option for a game or two a week on Fox Sports One, but it is it is off of ESPN ABC for the first time in MLS's history, dating back to nineteen ninety six. And do I think that the success of Ted Lasso has something on a small level to do with Major League Soccer being on Apple TV? Yes, I do. I think there's a carryover in the demographics. So I think it's more along the lines of, of the soccer crowd tends to skew younger, which has been early adapters to Apple TV and streaming services in general. Right. But I think Ted Lasso is part of a gateway for that. I certainly do. So, Greg, and I don't know the answer to this. I don't know that you'll know the answer to this because I don't know that there's a definitive answer to this. But going from a traditional television package to strictly a streaming package in your opinion for any sport is a sign of a sport on the rise or a sport on the decline uh, i don't think there's a, an answer to it i th- i think it's still again the the younger the viewer or the younger the viewing base the easier that transition is right i think everything is heading in that direction you, and I don't think there is a sport that doesn't have a streaming option at this point. I still think you are leaving behind viewers if you don't have that linear television option. So I don't think it's a sign of, of on the way up or on the way down. I think it's just more of a sign of changing technology. And I think we're to that point where, you know, a stream only largely covers your fan base, but I don't think we're there yet. Again, Greg Gregshaw with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. We'll certainly get some college baseball talk with Rake here in just a few, but Rake, I, I do have to throw in my own fandom here. Uh, Notre Dame basketball yesterday gets a commit from Tay Davis. I think those you know locally will, will know the Davis name, both of the brothers um, here playing at LC and Warren over the last few seasons. Uh, first off, I guess, what are they getting in Tay Davis, and does it surprise you at all? Because to me, I thought this was just a huge aspect of moving on from Mike Bray. I don't think Mike Bray did a very good job recruiting the city of Indianapolis and the surrounding counties very well. Micah Shrewsbury has already made some inroads there. So, uh, Tay Davis's career path to ND, and then just thoughts on Micah Shrewsbury's ability to recruit this city and surrounding counties. Well, obviously, we got the Davis brothers uh, that, you know, at first we're going to be a, a pair at L. Then we're together at Seton Hall. Um, you know, what impressed me about Tay uh, from, like, his junior to senior year was the amount of time that he spent in the weight room. I mean, he went from, from, from his junior to senior season, he became a grown man. Um, 
good good shooter, not a great shooter. I'm not sure that he – and maybe he's worked on this in, in his year at Seton Hall in terms of expanding being a three-point shooter. Um, has all the athletic goods, comes from a basketball family, so knows the game well. Um, because he has played around such other outstanding players, especially in his days at Lawrence from a high school standpoint, is how to not be the guy. I think that is a major adjustment, and maybe it's lesser now because of AAU basketball. But there are guys that, you know, when you get to a college campus, basically every guy has been the guy on their high school basketball team. And it's a bit of a struggle to figure out, okay, how am I a role player? Um, that's not the case for Tay, because he played with guys like his, his older brother, uh, Nigel Pack, Jake LaRavia. He played with all those guys uh, in, in terms of his days at Lawrence Central. So, um, again, I want to I see his... Um, I want to see his jump shot improve a little bit. I want to see his free throws improve a little bit. At least that dates back to his days in high school. But athletically, he can more than fit the bill. Greg, one of the things we've talked about with you before, but it's a good time of year to, to kind of bring it back up for obvious reasons because the summertime to me, like when it comes to basketball in general, I mean, there were a few things in my era, old man yelling at clouds here, that were more prestigious than the Indiana All-Star game. I mean, to the point of like the top 40 workouts just to get an opportunity to, to be in the discussion for an All-Star bid. And I, I think it's still very prestigious in Indiana, and it's a great honor for the kids that make the All-Star team. But I've I've each year had a growing concern that kids more prioritize representing their AAU circuits than they do representing their high school. And that kids now, their names from a recruiting standpoint are made more in the vagabond circuit than the Friday and Saturday night winter circuit. Your thoughts? Uh, I think the last thing you said is is true in terms of, of the recruiting aspect of it. Um, and there are guys, and, and the example I would give you in terms of a guy that I saw his recruiting stock, you know, absolutely, you know, skyrocket based on what he did as, a, as an AAU player, was Tony Perkins of Lawrence North, who is now a, a key contributor at the University of Iowa. In terms of AAU, obviously by the time we're talking about these kids that are seniors, you know, they're, they're not going to have that option. Um, but, but really where, where, where the game is being hurt and they have tried as best they can to fit everything in in such a tight window of time is the fact that once these kids started going, getting on campus in, in some cases late May, but almost always by Father's Day weekend in June, um, instead of you know getting to campus in August, now you're just out of time. Like literally as of six or seven years ago, these games were played on Saturday and Sunday. Well, there were kids that could play on the Saturday game that couldn't play on the Sunday game. And then it became flipped to where, okay, the Kentucky game's going to be on Friday, the Indiana game's going to be on Saturday. There's a good number of the kids that are playing in the game that they'll play Saturday night at, at Gambridge Fieldhouse, and they will have to get to campus the next day. Uh, I remember the uh, Fazekas kid from Marquette Catholic who ended up uh, playing at Providence. He couldn't play in the All-Star Series because he had to be at Providence. You mentioned Tay Davis. He couldn't play in the All-Star Series because he had to be at Seton Hall. And so that, that's the traffic you're kind of fighting. Um, it was announced earlier this week that Reed Shepard, Kentucky's Mr. Basketball, is not playing in, in the game. 
just electing not to play. Um, we kind of had this last year with Fletcher Lawyer, and, and he, Fletcher, to his credit, you know, at least kind of announced this, um, you know, like like a couple of months out, said, "Hey, I, I'm simply not going to, you know, play in this week." Um, Braden Smith couldn't play last year because he was hurt. Uh, you know, it's, it's a different story. So, um, it is still a priority for the Indiana kids to make the team. It is still a, a priority for the Indiana kids, I believe, to play in the game. I just worry about the continual shrinkage of time available for these guys to play in the game. Certainly a program that would love to tap into some of those Indiana All-Stars moving forward would be IUPUI. Rake, new athletic director there this week. I'll be totally honest with you. When I saw the resume, I I was like, is this person running against Joe Hogsett or Jefferson Shreve here? Like, I was a little bit like... Wow, this is not much of an athletic background. Uh, fill us in on the new athletic director at IEPUI, if you don't mind, and then how sure. much of a priority will it be to, I guess, either renovate the jungle or get something on campus from a, a basketball facility? Well, first of all, um, I'd vote for Luke uh, over the other two candidates you mentioned. So I, I, be- <laughs> I believe in Luke. Um, and I've been told he looks like me. I'm not sure about that, but I think he's a handsome fella. Uh, Look at I that. Put, that. put it that way. Is it Luke Basso? Um, Am I saying that right? You are saying it correctly. Huh. And, and Luke is a local guy. Luke is a North Central guy, so Jake loves him already. Um, That's right. Luke, Luke went to Franklin College. Luke has been involved. He spent some time working for Learfield and IU Sports Properties, but he has been involved in more of the political kind of community scene more than that. But let me, again, I love the hire, and and again, I know Luke, and so if I didn't know Luke, maybe I'd feel differently. But I know him, and I also know the job. And what that job needs is a fundraiser. Mm -hmm. There are other wonderful people that are already on the staff at IUPUI that, that, that know the kids, that know the NCAA rules. Um, the issue at IUPUI has always been money, whether that is getting it from the Bloomington campus, whether that is being able to go out and generate funds on your own. You've got somebody now that I firmly believe that can do that and knows the right people to ask and knows the buttons to push. So I am I am bullish on the future of IUPUI slash IU Indianapolis. Now, from a naming standpoint, um, I'm not I'm not crazy about IU Indianapolis, and obviously there is the very unique situation where so many of these schools that we refer to as Milwaukee or Green Bay or Charlotte are the University of Wisconsin at Green Bay, University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee. University of North Carolina at Charlotte. And if you go back to the 80s and 90s and even the early 2000s, that's how we refer to those schools. University of Missouri at Kansas City or UMKC. Well, now they all go by their, you know, uh, just city names, even though they've not changed their campuses. Well, you don't have that option uh, because of the University of Indianapolis. Uh, so, again, I'm not crazy about IU Indy, uh, but that, that's kind of a deal that, 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 that's bigger than athletics. Uh, but that's a separate conversation. Now, in terms of the facility, uh, I had Luke on the show on Wednesday when I filled in for JMB, and he very kind of you know deftly said, "Well, that's down the line in terms of, of his concerns." And and honestly, I agree. But Greg, didn't they just go ahead? I, I was going to ask you about this because I, I I don't think I'm hallucinating here. Matter of fact, somebody sent this to me. I wish I had it right in front of me, but. 
and I'm really naive about politics, so my apologies on the, the layman terms I'm going to use here, but the latest session at the House, didn't they just pass an appropriation of funds for an arena on the IEPY campus, or at least at the very least to explore using those funds for a campus? Sure. I, and honestly, you're asking the wrong dude, because I try to stay away from that myself. Um, so I, so it's it's possible. I'm not sure. Um, it's it's been something that's been talked about for 25 years at this point, uh, and so I, I, I tend to be of the hey, it's it's great if it happens. Do I see a need for it? Absolutely. Do I think you've got a person that has the right connections to make it happen? I do. Um, but all I'll say is this: Coliseum's a great place to play. It's not on campus. You're you're better off if you're on campus. What what there is more of a need for right now is locker room facility, practice facility. Because not only do so many, you know, Division One programs, you know, have a great place to play from an arena standpoint, they've got a great place to play from a practice standpoint, and they've got great facilities from a locker room standpoint. And that's not the case for IUPUI. They have polished up the jungle uh, to make it a, a great place for volleyball, a great place for women's basketball. But you used the word vagabond earlier. It's kind of been what the men have been in terms of a place to practice, in terms of a locker room facility, because they have not been on campus. So honestly, you would assume that those two things get get bundled together in terms of taking care of that at some point in time, sooner rather than later. But what, again, what what is more immediate um, in terms of men's basketball is, making sure that locker room facility is taken care of, making sure that practice facility is taken care of. But that likely comes with a new on-campus. Man, facility. I'll tell you, Greg, and I get it, and I understand it, and I, I, I totally get it. The thing that worries me is, and I know you've called a ton of games in this arena, and I would assume probably have the same kind of nostalgic love for it that I do, but with the fuel leaving, and if IEPY is not playing there, and the Horizon League's not doing yes. a tournament there, yeah, who are your tenants? I worry about the, yeah. the Coliseum big time. I do too. Um, I do too. Uh, I know the people that that operate the Coliseum in terms of the staff that are there, um, in terms of the events they feel they can go out and get. I know that they do not feel threatened by the fuel leaving. They are looking forward to the opportunity, just because. When you have a tenant that plays as many games as and specifically on weekend dates, they feel there's a limit in terms of what they can go out and do. I think you'll see a bit of a difference in how the Coliseum is operated after this hockey season. I'll put it that way. Rick, before we let you go, I do want to touch on the college baseball scene. Feel free to talk about your alma mater. Uh, I didn't realize <laughs> if you make the tournament, you're just in D2. You're in kind of the Omaha version of the final eight at least i think i have that correct uh and then obviously indiana state hosting regional and indiana ball state in lexington so wherever you feel like you want to go with that go right ahead okay so obviously for the greyhounds i'll leave with the alma mater first um they have won their way the, the d2 tournament now completely mimics the division one tournament in other words it's not 64 teams but it's two weekends to get to the world series so UND won their way through the, the Springfield Regional, which had Got four it. teams, and then they beat Quincy um, in the Super Regional. UND has played nothing but teams from their conference so far, uh, and they have gone 5-0 and during the course of the postseason. What makes the UND story remarkable is the fact that they began the season in non-conference play, like 9-0, and 10-0, something along those lines. 
just the luck of the draw. They basically played three of the top four other teams in their league the first three weekend series, and their weekend series are four games. They went two and ten. They were two and ten in league play in March, and still almost didn't completely win their way out, but close to it. Won just enough in the conference tournament to be the last team in their region. Uh, and really, the kind of the two regions that make up the Midwest region. They were the seven seed out of seven, and they have made their way to the Division Two College World Series. So it's it's a great story. Uh, uh, there's a couple of there, there's there's the young man in, in in Ware that had the you know perfect game and cycle. A couple of other names that I'll point out to you. One would be EJ White. That would be Eddie's son. That is the closer for UND. Brad transferred to Paw. He's been great. Uh, out of the bullpen for them. And I'm a little partial to an outfielder from Cincinnati because he shares the same last name as me. Adam Rakestraw. Had him on the show on Wednesday as well. Great kid. This is his last year. He's going off to law school at the University of Cincinnati. Is this offspring of yours? Of upholding the family intelligence. We are not related. Just share the same last name. Um, So rooting for them. Now in terms of the uh, Division I uh, aspect of it, You've got IU and Ball State that are playing down in Lexington. That gets underway today. Congratulations to both of those teams. I know a little bit more about Indiana State because I've had them on ESPN Plus a couple of times, and I, I just saw the team that they're playing today in Wright State because they're the Horizon League champs, and I had that tournament last week on ESPN Plus. That'll be a great game. But I just think it is so cool that the tournament starts in Terre Haute and the people in the Wabash Valley – Get to experience cheer on their team, but I mean, it, it just thinking about this yesterday, dude. North Carolina spending a weekend in Terre Haute, <laughs> like the universe. And you used to see this, and Jake will, will be thinking about this immediately. In Dean Smith days, he would take and Roy Williams carried this over too. He'd take his teams to, to random places to have a senior get a chance to play a game close to home. That's why so North Carolina played so, Butler when Eric Montross was here. Exactly. So you, you've seen that to some degree, but you don't see it now. And again, it's it's different in college baseball because of the lack of scholarships kind of narrows the field a little bit. And Indiana State historically has been a good program. I think this is their 11th trip um, you know, to, to, to the Division One baseball tournament. They made the College World Series back in the 80s. They've now been in the NCAA tournament for the last five years. It's been played. I mean, this is a good program, but they've never hosted. And the thought of Iowa and North Carolina spending a weekend in Terre Haute just makes me smile. Yeah, that is that is really cool. I think it's an aspect to the college baseball by tournament. Way, that, that phrase has like very seldomly been uttered on radio, by the way, for what it's worth. What's that? Spending a week in Terre Haute just makes me smile. I will. I will say this: Brad Bowen, an Indiana guess. State grad, he would not have said it that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they they have made efforts. I've spent some time in downtown the last couple of years. There's some cool places to hang I kid. And you know what? That campus has done a really nice job, too. ISU's done a really nice job. Yep. And it's, you know what I mean? It's a it's a great opportunity for, excuse me, for a lot of kids. So, I mean, I kid, of course. Kudos but. to the selection no, no, committee. No, no. I mean. Listen, okay. There is a stigma about Terre Haute that has been earned over the years. I think there. I think there's a bit of a renaissance going on there. Yeah, that's fair. Go have a drink at the Copper Bar. Go go have a steak at Jay Ford's. There's some cool spots in downtown. The people that are in town for a weekend 
we'll have a good time in Terre Haute. You know, they are the 14 of 16 seeds. I mean, the selection committee, I think, easily could have opted for, I don't know, more of a bigger, whatever, bigger brand, bigger city, however you want to describe it, for a regional host. So kudos to the selection committee as well. Rank, we covered a little bit of everything. Uh, What's on the announcing agenda for you this weekend? A little bit of everything. Um, Indy 11 Women's Soccer have their home debut. So I've got them at Grand Park tonight. This is an event that, again, will resonate, I think, with both of you because you know the guy behind it. Our buddy Darnell Booker uh, with the Indy Thunder sure, uh, that does beat ball, which is, is baseball slash softball for the blind and visually impaired. We televise a tournament on ISC that he puts on every year at North Central High School. Uh, and so I'll be doing that uh, both Saturday and Sunday. And then because the Sunday beat ball game is so early, uh, I've got enough time to be able to then do the Indiana-Kentucky Junior-Junior All-Star game to kick off a week long of All-Star festivities. So I'll see Flory Badunga coming up on Sunday afternoon. Uh, girls game at 2, boys game at 4. And I'll mix in soccer Saturday and filling in one time for Bob Lovell this weekend. So a little bit of everything for me coming up the next three days. No shortage of time behind the mic for Greg Rakestraw after a busy month of May out at the track. Rake, thank you as always. Have a great weekend. See you guys. Greg Rakestraw right there, Payless Liquors Hotline. Again, uh, Indiana State, Wright State will get things underway from Terre Haute. Uh, today, I think it's a 1 o'clock first pitch. Ball State has got Kentucky at noon in Lexington and Indiana and West Virginia is the nightcap down there from Lexington. I mean, it's super cool to have that many teams locally still in baseball is very cool. Yeah, and I'm not going to like, okay, you know, the economic impact for Terre Haute is great, but you know, Jay got what, a couple hundred you know, people associated no, with, with the traveling party? And, and I kid and about Terre Haute, and, by the way. Um, good for them, and again, kudos to the selection committee for uh, sticking with it as a 14 seed hosting a regional there uh, coming up this weekend. All right, Dustin Apirak in a few again covers Pacers for the Star. Uh, Pacers are on another draft to work out today, uh, so we'll chat with Dustin about that. And we are less than three weeks away from the NBA draft. Uh, for now, though, let's begin with the Nuggets taking a 1-0 lead over the Heats as we hit off hit into a morning check. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You just heard Kevin mention it. The Denver Nuggets up 1-0 in the NBA Finals. That's because last night, essentially, Kevin, easiest way to say it, Denver got out to like an 8-10 point lead and then just at some points it jumped up you know, into the high teens, but really Miami never was able to get things going. And the Nuggets, as a result, on Sunday, we'll try to go up to love. Nikola Jokic had a triple-double, and it was even kind of a quiet triple-double, to be honest with you. Aaron Gordon was the big star in the first quarter. Got out to a good start. Michael Porter Jr. hitting a couple of shots. When Denver's got that kind of versatility of scoring, Kevin, it's going to be a real long night for Miami. Saw the stat from ESPN. Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, both had at least 25 points and 10 assists last night. They are the second pair of teammates ever to do that in a finals game. I mean, ever. I, you know, I apologize to people that said they wagered because I was so confident in Miami yesterday. You shouldn't listen to me for your wagering tips unless it's about the Indy 500, and I tell everybody that Joseph Newgarden's going to win the race. Uh, well, 
an audio. Unless you unless you ask me on Wednesday, but what I have the text message I'll show you to my cousin on Friday, midway through Carb Day, and I go, dude, Joseph Newgarden's going to win the race. And then Nick Cottenham edit text messages. The kids here on the internet called me and said, "We need your official prediction." I said, "Official." They said, "Yeah." I said, "Joseph Newgarden." I see what's on the web. That's what's on the web. That was taped a month a month ago. Nope. They played on Sunday. They yeah, played on the. I, they I know, played on our, our station, our sister station that airs the race. It well, I also Sunday. was live. Uh, the on, audio doesn't lie. I was live on Sunday with Tony and John, in which I said, mm. "Look out for Joseph Newgarden." I gave to Alexander Rossi wins the hundred. Uh, okay. thank you, Mark. I came to eight o'clock uh, coming up on Sunday in Denver. Quiet day on the diamond yesterday. Reds lost. Guardians lost. I think that's it, really, from a local standpoint. Uh, in Major League Baseball, Indians dropped one to the Mud Hens, four to one. Uh, cute fella in Arizona now separated by a game in our in our one race for game. PBR. Is that right? Yeah, you were you were the cock of the walk the other day where Excuse you were me? walking. Around. Hey, you should What's give me my PBR now. St. Peter's Peacocks I, reference. It's a turn of phrase. What are you I talking strut? about? Because I'm cut, buddy. I don't know what that means. Unbelievable. <laughs> Jake, just tell us about the Detroit race before we hit a break. Uh, IndyCar this Sunday in Detroit. It's going to be the streets of Detroit, not Belle Isle, as they have done traditionally, but it is a new circuit going along Jefferson Avenue in downtown Detroit. lot of 90-degree turns and a pit road that actually splits in two as you come in. You either go left or you go right in terms of your pits. But 2.30 on Sunday, you can hear the coverage beginning here on this fine radio station. I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, uh, Juan Pablo Montoya, the last Indy 500 winner in 2000 to come back and win the very next week. So we'll see if Joseph Newgarden can get it done in Penske country. Uh, Roger Penske, of course, uh, ample ties to the Detroit area as they make the switch from Belle Isle to downtown. All right, we'll talk some Pacers draft on the other side. Dustin Apirak from the Star joins us next. Pacers I, got another draft workout coming up today. I can't believe neither one of you guys brought donuts in. I didn't know that it was National Donut Day. Mark, you knew this fact. I heard it on the radio driving in. I'm like, uh, it, I mean, at this point, it's the seventh time it's been the National Donut Day You're this right. year. You know how many... Because Ashley told me last night, oh, go get your free donut on the circle. Go get your free donut on the circle tomorrow. I'm like, what? And she's like, oh, there's donuts on the circle. It's National Donut Day. You know and how I many... walked out and there's no donuts. Yeah, you know how many are out there right now? Donut. It's yeah. Many. The only donut out there is the circle. <laughs> That's true. It's under a bit of a renovation, is it not? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got some weak jokes here to lead off this Friday. Uh, Dustin DePerak, he'll be a busy man today. Again, another draft workout for the Pacers over at their complex um, a little bit later. Dustin joins us, uh, obviously, courtesy of the Indianapolis Star and his coverage of the Pacers. Dustin, I, I'll start off with this. It's a question I threw to Scott Agnes yesterday, and I'll ask you from what you think Kevin Pritchard believes. Do you think Kevin Pritchard looks at pick seven and says, that needs to be best player available, or that needs to be best fit? I think so. Scott actually asked him this, uh, and I think um, you know after the, immediately after the lottery, and he said, you know, sometimes it's best. He said sometimes I pick for fit and been wrong. Sometimes I pick for best player and been wrong. Um, but the thing he said, I think that stood out that, that where I think he leaned uh, is that he said it's got to be a high ceiling player. Uh, it can't be somebody you look at and say, okay, like that guy's plug and play, but he's only going to get so much better. Like he's he's going to be this. This is the best thing he's going to be, and even if that fits really well, uh, I think he's looking for something bigger. Now, I do think that there, if you're looking at pick seven and saying, okay, who's potentially available, uh, the guys that you would say are best fit are still pretty good. 
Um, you know, and I would say like Jarris Walker and, and Taylor Hendricks. Like I think they, both of those guys have uh, opportunities for growth, and they're you know. Uh, really skilled four guys who can defend multiple positions and block shots and run around. Like there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of upside um, there, but I mean, I think, you know, it, I, I think if there's somebody really intriguing left on the board, like, I mean, I think one of the Thompson twins, I think he'd, he'd be very tempted if one of those guys is still left uh, just because of the, the athleticism, the growth potential, what they can become as players if you put them in uh, a professional system. So I think he, he obviously looks at it and says, you got to hit this. Um, you know, you, you can't, this, this one has to be somebody that matters for you for a long time. You know, this can't be somebody who just comes in for a couple of years, plays a role and moves on. Um, so I, I think, you know, high ceiling, you know, really makes a difference. So you kind of lean best player available if you're thinking that way, because I mean, you just think, okay, who, who can be with us for, you know, four or five years, really grow into a star. Um, but I think it, there, there's potential for some of those more defensive oriented guys to be that. Um, but I do think if there's somebody more intriguing that he says, you know, this guy can really be, uh, you know, close to an all-star caliber level, level of player. I, I don't think he's going to leave, leave somebody on the board that he thinks is going to be great. Uh, I'll put it that way. I get the impression that the Pacers, for example, I think they really like Brandon Miller out of Alabama. Mm. I just do. I, I think that they mm. look at him and say, that is the skill and they're not alone in that i mean don't get me wrong no. not original thought here but i think they will explore i'm not saying necessarily aggressively but instead of waiting for the phone to ring it wouldn't surprise me if they make a few calls to see if someone would be interested in their seven and a couple of other pieces in order to move up to the area where they think he may be which is probably within the top two to four your thoughts <clears throat> Oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure they've made that call already. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know that to report it, but I mean, I, I can't imagine that they haven't called to find out and kick the tires and find out. Okay, what would those two teams want? I mean, obviously, it, basically, it seems like the consensus is Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller are two and three. You know, I, I think that's just sort of uh, pr- pretty presumed that it's you know Wembenyama's one. That's a you know stone cold fact. But you know Miller and Henderson are two. I don't see anybody sneaking up in a position where you might pick them over one of those two guys. So what you're asking is, okay, what does Charlotte want and what does Portland want? It seems like Portland pretty aggressively is willing to shop their pick. Um, and obviously, the, the question, obviously, first off, is does Charlotte want Brandon Miller bad enough? I mean, they, they, they might say if they want Brandon Miller worse than Scoot Henderson, uh, that means you're probably not getting them. You know, you, you, there's, there's probably nothing that they would trade that pick for. If they really like Miller, I'd be really surprised if they wanted to move that pick. Uh, Portland it seems to really want to move from three. Um, move back from three, but more to the point, once you know, once players that you can pair with Dame right now and go after, you know, go after a title now. I mean, is that realistic? Who knows? But I mean, they want a star. It seems like that's what most of you know, most of what I've seen out there uh, is. And so they, they want a player. They're not going to be satisfied with a bunch of picks. I mean, they don't need uh, seven and twenty six and twenty nine like that. That's not a reason for them to move back uh, from three. Um, you know, you, you can still get if you get Brent, Brandon Miller, he has a chance of being a uh, um, you know being an important piece for you. I I think they want something they want something more and so the question is if you're the Pacers what are you willing to give up on the roster now I, I think if you're if, if you're dealing with Portland you're asking yourself about what's currently on your team and what you're willing to give up um, and so that's the question is you know like 
would they trade Buddy Heald for the opportunity of getting Brandon Miller? Is that enough for Portland? And would you go for so far as to trade Miles Turner, which I think is sort of where you know that gets the price it gets to be a little bit too high, and you better also get another really good player back from Portland uh, in that case. I mean, then I, I think when you're dealing with Portland, I think you're dealing with big packages, like big packages that include current established players, and you got to go into that with an understanding of who you're willing to give up. Is there some truth to this statement, Dustin? And hmm. that is that. Indiana, while they have really good young pieces, does not yet have the depth at any of those pieces to be able to surrender one of them without then creating yet another void. That's mostly true. Uh, that's that's mostly true. I would say, um, and there, I would say there are young pieces that they could give up though that I just don't think they're going to command that much. You know, like right now, I don't know what the market is for Duarte. You know, I mean, like you could probably move him if you wanted to. And, and or Isaiah Jackson. Like, I feel right. like they probably, even though I think Isaiah Jackson has a lot of promise, mm-hmm. it hasn't shown itself consistently enough to either A, feel like you can hand the keys over to him if you move Turner, or B, use mm-hmm. him as a piece. Yeah, right. I mean, I think there's basically you're asking yourself when you're moving Jackson, like, all right, like how much does somebody want to back up athletic five? Cause that's what he's going to be. Like, I, I just, I just, I don't see him. I don't see in his future miles Turner, you know, from, from the just full skill set, able to consistently hit 35 or so percent of his threes, um, you know, to, to be a, a really good all around defender, not just a shot blocker. Uh, it is somebody that, that, pieces it all together. I mean, he's a super athlete, great dude. You know, I, I think he's going to be useful in the NBA for a long, long time. I, I just, just don't know that he becomes Miles Turner at some point in time. Miles Turner is probably, uh, you know, ninth, tenth-ish in terms of if you're talking about best centers in the league. So, you know, how much is that going to command? I mean, like, I think you can move him and get something. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but it's just, he, it's not necessarily a piece that's going to bring in a huge, huge haul for you. Um, and so, and, and I also don't know that it makes a difference uh, for getting, you know, forgetting Brandon Miller, Portland has its eyes set on, on something as big as it seems like they do. And maybe you can move if, if you want to get four. If, if again, if you're you know really interested in Jarris Walker or, or Osar Thompson, and you want to guarantee yourself something for that, you know that you might be able to throw him in and get something out of it and, and give somebody else more depth. Um, but that's it's not huge move the needle stuff. And I, I kind of feel like the only two guys that can really move the needle for somebody, I mean, Neesmith would help. You know, Neesmith would help. Uh, Nemhard would help. Jackson would help. Jalen Smith would help. Any of those guys would sort of help a deal. But, you know, what, when you're talking about a, a big, big package and trying to get a big-time player um, or, you know, move up with Portland, you're probably going to have to move somebody like Buddy or and or, or Turner. And that, that, I think, is the one where I think it's just a step too far. You better get something huge if you're giving up Turner. Uh, one of Dustin's latest, the pros and cons of, of kind of maybe that, that tier three that Kevin Pritchard's talked about, a really well done piece there evaluating some of these prospects. Dustin, I did want to kind of shift gears to the local angle from the NBA draft, non-Pacers related, and by that, Jalen Hood, Chafino, Trace Jackson Davis, Zach Eady. Um, again, Zach Eady's going back to school, but, you know, I, I guess take any of the three that that, that you feel like uh, there's there's something there to to chat about. It seems like Hood Shafino continues to be viewed pretty highly by those in the NBA. Again, we'll see about Trace Jackson Davis and you know if he gets into that back end of the first round. And then how close, I guess, do you think Zach Eady was to potentially keeping his name in the draft? Yeah, and I mean I'll hit on all three. I mean, obviously Hood Shafino seems a safely 
I, I think he's probably a top twenty guy, and and I think he's just he, he sort of he, he fits basically. I mean, he, he fits the NBA. That's what they're looking for as a point guard. Uh, bigger guy, obviously has a lot of playmaking ability, ability to hit shots. Uh, you know, occasionally from three, but you know, really good in the mid range. Where I think still matters. I think for point guards when you're picking roll, you know, doing as much pick and roll as they do in the NBA, I think the ability to kind of hit that, you know, elbow fifteen footer is, is an important thing. And he just he just showed everything you could ask for, um, basically from a guy in his situation. So I think he's uh, really safe top twenty guy. I mean, the team I, I keep seeing in mock drafts lately is Miami, and I think that fits. Uh, just get more of a playmaking one for those guys. Not that they don't have uh, certainly talent. Gabe Vincent's obviously been very very productive for, for them in the playoffs. Uh, you know, all those you know, undrafted guys, Max Drews, and just everybody that's, that's, you know, Kyle Lowry even coming off the bench has helped. So they could use uh, a, a point guard that you can kind of, you know, put your future on. Uh, and I think Huchavino could be that guy. So I think he, I, I think you're going to see him go maybe the end of the lottery, 14-ish, but I think uh, I think he'll safely be gone by 20. He, again, he just he just seems to fit the league really well. That just seems like an, an obvious fit. Uh, I think Trace Jackson Davis has performed you know, really well held himself. I mean, I, obviously, I think you're looking at, you know, late first, early second. Um, but unlike last year, I think you could safely say that somebody's going to take him. Um, and so I don't know. Um, you know, I know there are Pacers fans that, that uh, would like to see him just because he's, you know, done so much for IU. I don't think he fits because I think he's, he's leaning towards being a small ball five. Um, and obviously, they've got enough of those already and have a hard enough time getting uh, – minutes for uh for smith and jackson so um you know i don't know that he fits there but i think there's a lot of places that could use him i think uh the passing ability i think has really helped um uh oh shoot okay uh his um his performance as a passer i think is, is really helped him i think that's uh really improved his uh dropability i think the defense the athleticism you know all that is uh you know Really, I think he really did help himself too uh, by uh, just really moving well. Um, I think that's the one thing that he really wanted to do uh, in draft workouts to show that he's got some agility, he can move, and he can send the pick and roll. And I don't think he's great at that, but I think he's better than a lot of people thought. Dustin, appreciate the time. Hope all is good. Um, was was got, got a little nervous there. I didn't know if you have a parking ticket or something. <laughs> I, I do got something I got to take care of. Okay, right? all good. Thank Thanks. you. All right. Bye. Hope everything is good on the DePierac front. Dustin DePierac right there from the Indianapolis Star. Jake, I saw a um, ESPN mock. I think it was right after that deadline uh, earlier this week for underclassmen. Jalen Hood Shafino at number nine. Wow. That seems a little aggressive. I would think 12 to 18. You know who I think... I'll tell you the guy that I, that I would not be surprised if he slides a little bit is Grady Dick out of Kansas. Really, you don't think shooting is such a premium in the in the he NBA? He is a very good shooter, but I'm telling you, doesn't seem like there's a lot of good shooters kind of back in the lottery. I'm not obviously I'm not a scout, right? But I watched a fair amount of Kansas this year, and while he can shoot, the thing that's of concern to me is. Ted Lasso, we'll go back to that, Kevin. You got to be a goldfish. When things don't go your way, you've got to quickly forget about it. And Grady Dick doesn't seem to be that kind of player to me. Now, he could grow into that. He's a young player. But when he would have, if he would miss a shot or if something didn't go, you know, he'd turn the ball over. I saw him take a lot of possessions off, in particular defensively, and just kind of wade through it through his frustration. And. 
at times that hurt Kansas. Now he's a he's a great shooter in streak, and you're right, that is pretty coveted, and he's athletic. I think he'll be a good player, but I think that teams like in workouts might be turned off by what appears to be a focus that can wane. That that may be totally off base, but um, I think defensively he's a liability at this point, and I think that still is somewhat coveted in the NBA in 2023. Maybe not as much. I mean, probably more so than people think. It, it, It cracks me up when... And I, I get it. I understand the narrative. But when people are like, I don't like the NBA because I don't play any defense. And I'm like, have you gone down to a game and like sat and really watched it? It's unbelievable. The speed in which those guys work, the rotation, it is unreal, man. You have like a a hiccup of open space. And then, it, so I don't know that it's the NBA doesn't guard. It's that the players in the NBA today are so incredibly, increasingly athletic. I mean, I get the fact. Plus, the officiating once you know allows for more offense. I mean, maybe but, of movement, but but Kevin, and I totally understand it. I hear this all the time. You know, LeBron wouldn't have been able to play in Jordan's era because when as soon as he went through the lane, Oakley and Mason and and you know those guys they didn't mess around. Dale Davis they didn't mess around. LeBron James is the same size as all of them. LeBron James is bigger than Charles Oakley. He's bigger than Anthony Mason. He's literally taller, more muscular, and heavier than Anthony Mason was as a player. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, just the the overall, at every position and every size and skill set. I mean, you're getting ready to see a seven foot five guy pulling up between the legs from the three-point range. Think about that. That's crazy. Pacers draft workout today. Again, Cam Whitmore yesterday from Villanova, just a solo workout. Today, it's more, I think, kind of second rounders. Uh, the name on the list that people would recognize, I would think, would be Julian Strother from Gonzaga. He's the one that hit the just a wild shot from, hell, the volleyball line to beat UCLA in the Sweet 16. Certainly one of the games of the tournament, Gonzaga and UCLA. Are we done with Drew Timmy in college? Is he Is he finally done? Boy, and you you haven't heard his name mentioned anywhere. It's too bad, too, because he was a great college player with unbelievable footwork around the rim. But, yeah, he's just not versatilely skilled enough. Is he seen, like, in mock drafts at all? I don't think I've seen his name, really. I was um, looking at this the other day when you know, Zach Eadie was going through his announcement about what Purdue's schedule looks like next season. Purdue, speaking of Gonzaga, Purdue is in the Maui field Next year, how about this for the Maui field? Obviously, you got Shamana. The other seven teams, Purdue, Kansas, Gonzaga, Marquette, UCLA, Tennessee, and Syracuse. It's pretty stout. Tennessee's one of them that, like, you don't think of them now as like a, but I mean, that, that program's been as good as any of them. I mean, that's like. Over the last handful Purdue, of years. Kansas, Gonzaga, Marquette, UCLA, Tennessee, were they all top three seeds? Was Gonzaga maybe? I mean, that's a loaded, loaded field for Purdue and Maui. I tried to talk Maddie into going to that uh, gym, Lahaina Civic Center on our honeymoon. <laughs> Boy, safe to say her excitement did not match mine. <laughs> How far was it like? I mean, is it in the. Yeah, we actually stayed in Lahaina. I mean, it was maybe like a 10 minute drive from our hotel, but. That that was not on the um, the destinations. Have you the, the so you did your honeymoon in Maui, right? Uh huh. Here's a dumb question: 
When you go to Maui, do you fly directly into Maui or do you fly to like Honolulu first and then connect? Uh, no, we flew directly from Dallas. Okay. And then also a dumb question. How big is it? So I've been to Hawaii, but I've only been to Oahu, which is the, the island that Honolulu is on. At the time, Kevin, pardon my, people are going to think I'm an idiot. When I went to Hawaii, I thought that it was like the Keys. I thought like they were all connected. I didn't realize that the islands are like an hour flight from one another. So how big is Maui itself? Yeah, I mean, certainly the airport is not anything massive. But I mean, like like Oahu, like we rented a jeep and you could drive all you could do, drive all the way to the perimeter of the right. island in like two hours. Yeah, I I think the perimeter has some. I mean, from Wale to um, you know, Kapalua, Kanapali. I, I think once you get into like those cities right on the water, I never felt like oh my gosh, I'm in the smallest place that I've ever been in. Okay, I mean, there's certainly plenty of retail, plenty of restaurants. Certainly, when you're at these hotels and resorts, I mean, they're huge. So, um, but getting to them, like from a half hour, 45 minute drive from the airport, that feels very remote. And there are times where, you know, you're driving in the middle of the island and you're like, where in the world is civilization? So the furthest like, two is points it, is in, this Oprah's compound? The furthest two points in Maui would be how far from each other? Oh, I would guess a couple hours. Okay. Do you but know the, again, I don't think there's necessarily like a highway that just a straight shot through everything just from a... Um, now, a natural, uh, what am I looking for here? I mean, there are parts of Maui that obviously they don't want to build roads on because it's naturally, they don't want, you know, commercialization everywhere. Mark, you know what we do on this program, right? We educate and entertain. Correct. I've mentioned it before. Either one of you guys, do you remember from our lesson last time when Uncle Jake taught you about this? Uh, what is the state fish of Hawaii? Mark? It sounds like the old Navy head football coach. Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly. <laughs> Niamata Lolo. Close. That sounds about right, yeah. The Huma Huma Nuka Nguapua. Yeah, oh. something like that. That was his offensive coordinator at Navy. That's right. They also ran that, and when they put in that scheme, too, the Huma Huma Nuka Nguapua, it was... Dustin yeah. texted me. said, sorry, dog got loose, got her back. Thanks for having me. So Ooh, that, was the, that was the well, issue. I, that would have been an immediate understandable if you just said i gotta go the dog's loose. i was gonna say honestly you should just interject and said dustin just go man yeah he went with shoot and not the other word so i he guess did. we were fortunate about that weren't we yeah. uh nine o'clock hour coming up kevin and Quay. thank you to dustin dope here at greg regstra who have joined us on the program speaking of fast cars we're going to talk to somebody that drives one of those and has a remarkable story coming up in about 40 minutes um Mark, you had mentioned yesterday that song "Fast Car" by Tracy Chapman. Mm-hmm. Everything good with Dustin, by the way? Yes, like he's got the dog back good. in his possession, so yeah. it seems seems yeah. to be good. Um, I have a theory about "Fast Car" by Tracy Chapman. Tracy Chapman, now she did have a follow up hit uh, about another five years after that one. Um, give me one reason to stay here, but I think Tracy Chapman may be the most like revered or like respected musical artist that no one can name more than two songs of like people are like oh tracy chapman yes like you know legendary performer name more than two songs well i i, I don't know but like she just seemed like those like are two pretty seems, popular songs though. they are but i'm just saying like like i think a, and i i mean this as a total respect to her not a disrespect but like she just 
she has been a ubiquitous performer in in the minds of people as like a classical songwriter performer musician artist but yet like do you know anybody that's like yeah i went and saw tracy chapman last week at deer creek i like you know what i mean like has she ever even done like a tour i don't know but that is a great song but mark you had mentioned that you like the cover of that right i mean i love that song anyway but yeah i'm not a, i'm not a country guy by any stretch but luke combs uh who's a country performer he did a a cover of that song and it He's is the fantastic. ice cold beer guy yeah it is fantastic but but here's the thing the the cover of it and you're right he sounds fabulous in it but it just sounds it sounds exactly like the original there's right? a little more country twang to uh, it and everything. do you have the the cover i mean give me a minute i mean usually when somebody does a cover they put a little bit of their own taste to it right i mean isn't that what your voice is i mean his voice certainly is not tracy chapman yeah but like he doesn't like the 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 music underneath him for example it's like he just took it off like a karaoke machine i mean it's very well done and it's cool but it's like well wait a minute this is just, if i'm going to listen to that i would just listen to the original is what i'm getting at because it's basically the exact same thing mark did you do it on purpose the detroit race promo into fast mm-hmm. car yeah a little bit different tones but i guess it's a little more it's a little less acoustic sounding it, he does a good job with it don't get me wrong mm-hmm. Anyway, a little bit of a different format this year at Detroit. We talked a little bit about it yesterday, Jake, but they've got pit lanes that are like one's the left and one's the right. So you got guys that are going to be pitting on the left side and one on the right side. Correct. And then they kind of merge back in. There's a lot of right-handed turns too, angular right-hand turns. By the way, somebody just sent me a picture from a donut shop. Hey, Jake, how many people are there in studio? I don't know at this point that we'd, we'd get them in time, right? It's a very nice gesture. Thank you. There's only three of us here, though. Yeah, well, I was going to say, there's just three of us. We have, well, no way to, we have split personalities. There might be more than three. <laughs> yeah, we have no uh, Graham. We resent that comment. Or Nathaniel. I'm sure we do. On that end. You know, last night when you watched Denver, I, I just thought from Jokic, it was such a master class and just like, whatever I feel like the game needs right now, I will provide that. And like early on, it was just distribute, distribute, find find guys that are open, find guys that certainly have mismatches, et cetera, et cetera. Did that, boom! All the assists in the first quarter. Um, didn't take a shot till the final. I think it was literally the final play of the quarter. And then the fourth quarter, it's like okay, Miami's going zone. Um, it's kind of getting a little bit interesting. They cut it to eight. You know, Michael Malone second timeouts, and then Jokic is like, all right, I'll just be the closer via scoring. It, it just he is always always multiple steps ahead of everybody i just think like at one point you know when you come out and aaron gordon goes crazy at first and Jokic hasn't even scored and you're already down like eight then that can be right there you knew there was trouble probably right yeah and i've always felt this about Jokic, which you know jake when you think about like really good point guards Typically, it's not always the case, but typically the really good point guards, you know, maybe they're struggling a little bit from a shooting touch standpoint. Or the great shooters, they don't necessarily have the same sort of incredible feel as a passer. It's very different. Like, honestly, Tyrese Halliburton's pretty rare in that combination. And for Jokic to have unbelievable ability to know where guys are open, the type of pass they need, you know, get it to them in a, you know, perfect sort of shooting position, then also have great touch as a shooter. 
I mean, there was one play. I think it maybe Murray threw it back out to him for a three last night, and I swear the ball barely moved in the net. I mean, just I, one of those swishes that was just like, did the net even move on that? And then to be seven foot and two hundred and eighty pounds, or however much he weighs, it is it, he is a remarkable basketball talent. I, I think the thing that's intriguing about him is he looks like Shrek, and at times plays like a feather. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I, I mean, he's a he has a very soft touch for a big, lumbersome guy. Yeah, like a deafness <clears throat> to him that's just like. Marley, really did you beautiful say, to watch. Did you say Hagen called in? Yes. Chris Hagen is up this early. Probably about Tracy Chapman. Uh, Hagen's probably getting ready to go to bed. What's up, Chris? I am actually uh, driving down to Alabama. My first off day since the race, and so a, a rare opportunity to listen to the show. Are you watching the Bulldogs? Are they are they playing this weekend? You know what? Is a true Mississippi State fashion in the two seasons since they won the national championship in baseball. Not only have they not made the NCAA tournament, they've not even made the SEC tournament. So that's is, the the price you pay for finally winning something. Is the IU guy still the manager? Chris Lamonis is still there. Correct. Gotcha. For now, right? For now, I tell you what: you win the national championship, despite the, that's a you got a short leash as far as twice being the seller dwellers. And get this, Ole Miss won the national championship last year, and they too did not even make the SEC tournament this year. They they finished the worst two teams in the conference were the last two national champs. Now, Chris, uh, one of my favorite games that I like to play when people road trip is trying to guess exactly where they are. And I, I'm guessing – let me just ask you this one question, and then I'm going to guess where you are. Are you listening okay. to us, and this will kind of give it away, I guess, at this point. Are you listening to us on the radio, or are you on an app? Oh, boy. Radio. Radio. Okay, well, then in that case, so, so you're in Beach Grove. Yeah, two-mile radius from uh, downtown. I'm at uh, I'm at Southport Road, because as you know, this is very, very early for me. So you, uh, will you stop at the, there are a couple of options here for Bucky's. Will you stop at a Bucky's in Alabama? Yeah, there's one just across the state line now in Athens, Alabama. Just outside of Huntsville, that's the uh, the go to now. That is beautiful. Hagen, how many S- how many SEC baseball games have you been to in your life? Because I could not recommend. I, I've I've been to a couple. Uh, I could not recommend that more. I, I bet I've been to at least fifty from my college days at Mississippi State, and then since then, like I tell you, what you need, what you need to do is. If you have the chance, or if you don't have a chance, make the chance. You need to go to the College World Series at some point. Yeah. You know, That's Tom Blattler, uh, who you know, Chris, Tom Blattler, who's the one of the great PR guys in IndyCar, he does a guy's trip with, like, his college buddies every year where they go to Omaha. They all meet in Omaha for, like, and spend, like, three days there, and he absolutely loves it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Final Four in hoops is always huge, but it moves around. Well, the... The College World Series has eight teams, and it never moves around. So they have that thing down pat. It's one of the huge things they look forward to in that community all year long. And I'm talking about the tents nearby, the restaurants, the bars, like literally walk across the street to the bar, walk right back to the stadium. And the fan bases, uh, it's, it's more of a friendly-type deal. Because every year you have teams that have never been there. And so it's not the it's not always the traditional powers that hate each other. Now, knowing Chris Hagen, how often you're up before 10 a.m. Uh, when you got in the car to drive to Alabama and turned on this radio station, how long did it take you to be surprised that you weren't hearing Michael Grady? 
<laughs> he, he's no longer there. What happened? <laughs> so, I thought I was getting Mike know, and Mike in the morning. Yeah, he. Um, you know, Michael Grady was the sports anchor at the ABC affiliate in uh, Indianapolis, Jake. I don't know if you'd heard that. I've heard that before, yes. That was inside baseball. The two things I wanted to touch on, one was like a serious question that a, that a listener might listen to. The other was, it cracked me up, Jake, when you did the uh, – when you were talking about how some older fans are, would say that LeBron would never make it in the old days of the, the NBA, and I noticed you went to the, the go-to voice when everybody does a voice about somebody, the old-timer or the dumb guy. Well, they always revert to this voice here. Uh, LeBron wouldn't make it. And I, I, I wonder if you've noticed that everybody has that go-to voice for the dumb guy or the old guy. Well, yeah, because most of them, I'm probably both, right? I, I probably could just do my own voice. I guess I kind of do have the the reverted go to voice, but but my uh, listen. One thing you don't know about IndyCar, so that is everybody kind of has that go to, and, and so you unleash that. And I'm like, you know what? I do that same exact thing. Hagen, speaking of IndyCar, I do want to a- ask you this: You guys had Marcus Erickson as your driver driver analyst, right? Yeah, we had we had Ed Carpenter on the on the Fox side, and we had Marcus on the CBS side. That's it. Um, Curious if you heard from either of them post race about you know what they thought of the finish. I, I I know Erickson had some words, but I if I'm not mistaken, I think Ed Carpenter, um, you know, thought things were a bit dicey there and, and it could have gotten you know pretty bad, uh, but fortunately didn't on that final red flag. I heard I heard from Marcus last night, and I heard from Ed right after the race, where he uh, he reminded us all in his opinion that uh, Christian Lundgaard is quote dumb. He didn't like the way that, you know, they're they're jockeying for 18th and 19th position late in the race. You know, neither one of them is going to win, and he didn't appreciate. He started that all right with him and Benjamin Peterson and Carpenter. Right, right. That that led it, it ended Ed's day, and it caused a, a red flag that ended in what was controversial toward the end. I think uh, Ed said it best, and he, he he understands the red flag, but he thinks there needs to be some kind of limit on. Okay, we'll have one red flag in the last 10 laps. We'll I, Chris, as flag. I've said, once you hit a certain point, and for me it would be 195, once you hit 195, the red flag goes out the window. Right. Uh, I, and I know the idea. They were they were tap dancing between wanted to finish under green, but also wanted to go exactly 500 miles, didn't want to go beyond that. But when you squeeze that too tight, and that was Erickson's contention of, you know, he, he's in a no-win situation there. He's out front. With, with one lap to go, and, and he's he's in no man's land there to try to compete and win. You know, should he lose that lead, which he felt like he would, and that that's exactly what happened. Felt bad for Santino Ferrucci as well. You know, that that thing goes more than one lap. Who knows, you know, Erickson, Newgarden battling out front. Who knows what Ferrucci does? But uh, my question, Jake, to you was, and I understand the marketing side and the idea of it, but do you like the idea of you put all this work into the month of May uh, you kind of exhale for a second, and then you're right back to work uh, in Detroit. As a team, as a driver, even as a, a broadcaster, do you like that and you, you see the benefits of it? Uh, it's tough, Chris. There's no doubt that it's tough, and I'll tell you why. I, I think in a perfect world, a lot of people would like to see an oval follow-up for the reason of 
There are no, there is no race that gets more eyeballs on you to introduce to a new fan base, prospectively, than the Indianapolis 500. So, a guy is laying on his couch, flipping the channels in Flagstaff, Arizona, and sees the Indy 500 and goes, "Man, this is really cool." And then sees a promotion for the next race and is like, "Man, I, I really enjoyed that. I'm going to watch it again." And he turns it on to see a street course race. It's a different animal altogether, and the street course I think brings more into the aerodynamics, the the you know the true automobile innovation that goes into it and so i i think that that is a challenge to try to get that person to immediately then get hooked in and there's no doubt about the fact chris it's a catch-22 because you want to cash in on the interest level that you might get from the 500 and carry that wave of people like wins the next race but turning around and doing it and like especially for joseph newgarden i can't imagine with everything he's had to do this week and there's, from a broadcast standpoint, y- yeah. I mean, I haven't had a day off since Barber, right? Basically, I yeah. mean, well, the mini marathon, I guess. But I, that, that's about it, right? I mean, it's in that aspect, it's tough. Well, for Joseph, uh, he had talked about that, you know, a day later about all the commitments. But he said, you know, you, you sign on for that. You'll you gladly take that. But I just wonder, like, like I said, this is my first day off since the five hundred, and granted. I don't really work for a living, but where where's an oval? What would make sense they could go to Gateway? I mean, what would what oval could they go to this week after the five hundred? Yeah, could you could you go to Gateway? Yeah, or, or I mean, or if you rescheduled, if you do the schedule differently, and that's I I do think that Texas, for example. Um, Eddie Gossage used to always want to go to te- want them to go to Texas immediately following the Indy Five Hundred. The only reason I said Gateway is you don't have to get on a plane. Yeah. Right. Nice from the teams. That are good. Yeah. It is interesting, though, that uh, it's a double-edged sword there. Because just being out there all, all month long, I know how I feel. I'm not out there competing. Are we losing Hagen? It, well, it's like our reception. Did he hit where he Edinburgh? Also, that's right. <laughs> Bank with the next day, you're, bar- you're, you're catching your breath, and you're like, okay, let's let's go to Detroit. And I just wanted to get your, your guys' take it. It's tough. There's I no just, doubt uh, that it's tough. What I think I should do is, uh, it's just crystal clear reception here as I'm on on the connected line here. I think I should just stay connected. You put me on hold. I just listened to the show the whole way here. Uh, Chris, <laughs> bored as hell, Hagen, uh, right. en route right now to Alabama. <laughs> Hagen, we'll end with this. It's a little outside the box, but what the hell? It's Friday at n- 9 a.m., and this is for both of you, okay? Yep. More NBA games played for Zach Eady or laps in the Indianapolis 500? Wow, this is a very Jake Query-esque uh, Thank you. Yeah, again, it's the 15th hour of the week with Jake. I mean, come on, what the hell? Yeah, but he's, he's rubbed off on you. Yeah, sadly. No oh boy, are we losing him again? Yeah, we lost him. You want to answer it, Jake? Give me the question one more time. More NBA game, and Hagen, if you can hear us, feel free. More NBA games for Zach Eady or laps in the Indianapolis 500? Oh, the latter. Are we talking about games where he appears? Games played for Zach Eady. Jake has taken the under of 200. Chris Hagan, you taking no, the... I took the over. Oh, I thought you said more think, laps in the 500. No. Yeah, no ladder. Like what? We're looking at like three seasons he plays. I'll, I'll take Eady plays at least in uh, three to four seasons worth of NBA games. Okay. I think Eady could have a very Cody, Cody Zeller-esque career. You know? Yeah, I, I, I think if, if health cooperates, I would, I would take the over. I mean... How many games has Cody Zeller appeared in his career? Oh, hell, Cody Zeller's had a 10-year career. Yeah, I mean, 
I guess Cody Zeller of the last five years. That's who I see Edie being like a, a rotational player. Chris, drive safe. See you, uh, Hagen. Bring back plenty of Buckies, by the way. Hey, guys. We'll see you. That's Chris Hagen there. Random call on a Friday. What the hell? Isn't he usually with John every Friday? I think so. Hagen's a good dude. Yeah, I would take the over on Edie. And part of this is probably recency bias, but we brought it up in the opening segment. I watched Jokic last night, and I thought to myself in, in regards to Edie, I think we're so focused on him. Okay, is he going to shoot more jumpers at Purdue this year? Could he be? Could he have a Brook Lopez type three point renaissance at some point? And I kind of got away from that and thought to myself, okay, you know, at seven three, what if he just became a really good facilitator and a really good passer? Like you aren't asking him to stay, right. you know, twenty five feet away from the basket and chuck threes, but hey, you want to double him? Well, he's seven three, and he'll look over the double, and he's going to find the open man. So I think that's something that, the- again, Edie wasn't asked to. And to be fair, Purdue missed a lot of open shots last year when he did um, facilitate out of the double. But that's where Trace Jackson Davis took a huge jump late in his career at Indiana, much more so, of course, than attempting jumpers. So that's an element to Edie's game that I, I think he's got some feel in that area. Just curious if here's he can tap pl- into. Here's a player in his whose role is what I see Zach Eady being as an NBA player. And I don't mean as a collegian. Jared Jeffries extended his NBA career by a number of years by being strictly an exceptional low-post passer, facilitator, and if needed to be so, 10-foot scorer. But Jared Jeffries primarily was a defender who could facilitate offensively by being that sprinkler system that just spread the ball around. And that's what I I see Zach Eady being, is a guy that can can situationally give you some, maybe like here and there, some offensive burst, but I don't think that you have him on the floor at the NBA level to like dump inside to him and just let him. Now, the the one thing that I think Zach Eady has done, Kevin – to help himself through the workouts in particular is I think that Zach Eady got kind of categorized by teams with the George Murison fear factor of in today's day, it's going to take him way too long to get down the floor and we don't have time to wait for him. Yeah, he's not stiff as hell. Correct. That, and I think they realize, yeah, he's a little more mobile than we thought. Yeah. And again, I just brought up the offense. Jake just brought up the offense. It's probably, you know, it's probably more the defensive end we should be talking about with Eady in regards to how NBA teams view his potential slash liability level uh, at the next level. Uh, all right, coming up in a few of the pop quiz, Scotty's entered the building. Scotty, it's a freebie Friday. The difficulty of today's pop quiz? Six. That's a six for Scotty. I feel like number five's been on a few of these pop quizzes. Mm-hmm. Well, what, like we're just repeating questions now? Well, welcome to the summer. You said number five has a little been? bit of a local flavor. Yeah, come on, man. One. This is—I mean—that's weak sauce. Weak sauce. Yeah. Wow. Jake, take that, Scotty. It's weak. Fifty-year-old Jake telling you that's weak sauce. Dikembe mm-hmm. Mutombo wagging his finger <laughs> over here. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and then coming up to round out the show, we got a really cool story um, to end things here with the guests. So we'll do that after the pop quiz. Leading into it, though, Mark, let's more than check down. <laughs> The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
Scotty, I'm going to say the stat. I hope it's not on the pop quiz, but Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray last night, 25 points at least, 10 assists at least by both of them. They are the second pair of teammates ever to do that in NBA Finals history. It is on the quiz. Okay, well, hey, pays to listen, right? Uh, Jake, you want to take a guess at it if you haven't looked at the quiz already? By the way, I was just reading somebody who played in the NBA just sent me a thing. It said, zero chance Edie gets more than three years on an NBA roster. Really? Hello, man. I might. I, just, I, might I look at a guy ice. like Boban and I'm like, can't Edie be I, Boban? Here's the thing. I think Edie will get three years on an NBA roster because of the fact that someone will take him with the experiment of giving him a year or two just to find out who he is. Now, we, we should clarify, we did say get into games, not just yeah, be on the roster. Fair. But still, I'm going to take the over on 200. Now, give me your question okay, again. At least 25 points, yep. at least 10 assists. One other pair of teammates has done that in a finals game. I don't think I would have guessed this duo initially, Scotty. Both of them were taken number one overall, and both of them played in the finals, and one of them is the most underrated player of his era. How's that? Really? Really, uh, and that would be the non, uh, the the less popular of the two. You would say is the most underrated. I think Scotty would agree with me that he's a, in the annals of NBA lore. When people talk about great players of the '80s, they forget about this guy who was the number one overall player taken, and was I mean, I think he's a Hall of Fame player, excluding his decisions on how to meet women in Houston on the road. He mostly did all the right things in the NBA. 104-90. Scotty, the only Whoa. one that knows what I'm talking about. The Nuggets about. go up 1-0. Uh, the Heat shot two free throws last night. I did not walk away from watching that game thinking I think the guy was worthy of the number one overall pick. Did you guys walk away from that game thinking they got a bad whistle? I, I did not, but when I saw no. two free throw attempts, I was like, wow, it was that few? Yeah. I, it, I didn't know it was that little until after the game. But. Just settling for so many jumpers, and the undrafted guys, the bright lights, oof. Uh, ugly for them. So game two coming up Sunday. That is an 8 o'clock tip from Mile High. All they got to do is get one on the road. Series begins when the road team wins Are you doubling one, right? down on your heat? No. They, they, Denver looked really good. <laughs> and the thing is, I don't even know. And obviously Miami could say this. I don't even know if Denver played like great. I, agreed. Agreed. I mean, it wasn't a vintage. Jokic was a triple-double, but it wasn't like your, your, your vintage, you know, Holy cow, he's dominating the game. I mean, like I said, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. hitting shots. You're like, oh, man. I mean, they were 8 of 27 from 3, Denver. Uh, I can mention every Major League Baseball score here because there weren't many of them yesterday. Padres over the Marlins, 10-1. It was the Mets over the Phillies, 4-2. Diamondbacks over the Rockies, 5-4. Cincinnati on the short end of the Red Sox, 8-2. Don't Astros. look now, but here come the Red Legs. Well, they turn around and went home. Five in a row, Mark. No. Astros over the Angels, 5-2. Twins over the Guardians, 7-6. Blue Jays over the Brewers, 3-1. And the Toledo Mudhens, Four to one winners over the Indianapolis Indians. Let's stay on the diamond. Uh, coming up today, Indiana State and Wright State. One o'clock. The regional from Terre Haute begins. It'll be North Carolina and Iowa then in the nightcap there. Down in Lexington, you've got Chirp Chirp Ball State taking on the Wildcats at noon. That's SEC Network. And then tonight on ESPN Plus, it'll be Indiana and West Virginia. From that same regional in Lexington. And shout out to the fighting Greg Rakestraws. We had Rake on earlier. You Indy in the final eight of the Division II baseball tournament. Uh, they are in Cary, North Carolina. Cary's got one of those like massive facilities, right? That can really? host all this. I believe that's where the soccer I think that's, championships are for the NCAA finals. So Cary, North Carolina, is that like a suburb of That's a great question. Charlotte or Raleigh or I'm gonna guess Wilmington. Raleigh, but I have no idea. 
Uh, UND is the eight seed in an eight-team tournament there, so I'll have to pull off some upsets to get it done. But do you, a hell of a do you want to mention Indiana State one more time just so our mentions don't blow up? <laughs> yeah, did, I could have sworn I just did, and I think I've done it several times. Do it again. Do it okay. one more time. All right, the Sycamores of Indiana State, the Fighting JMVers, they're on the diamond today, 1 o'clock against Wright State. Again, the 14 seed in this tournament. That is the... Overall, they're 16 regional hosts. Uh, Indiana State, 14 out of 16. Um, so basically the 14th best team in the nation. The Carrier suburb fans are going to come after you. Cary, a suburb of Raleigh, North Carolina, by the way. Oh. Which, do you know what you have to wear? If you're playing a baseball game in Cary, you obviously have to wear your Raleigh caps. Rollins. Right. I was going to go with a Rollins joke. Just... All right, get us to the pop quiz. You can do it. Uh, Detroit race coming up. On Sunday afternoon, again, no longer on Belle Isle for the IndyCar there, downtown, the streets of Detroit there. And I'll be off to West 56th Street here after the show. Colts have their second open OTA session of the spring, so plenty to chat about on that front coming up on Monday. All right, it's time for the pop quiz. Freebie Friday, so Jiffy Lube oil change no matter what. 317-239-1070. Give us a call for the pop quiz. We almost made it, Kevin. Unbelievable. Cue's the man. We almost made it. Mm. Delicious. He's like, I'm just. I was just driving around in circles until you could come get the donuts. So, cue shout out. Dropped shout off donuts for out. Us. National Donut Day is the best. Let's have it 37 times a year. <laughs> a little better than uh, I think at this point. Last Friday, I was on maybe my third cold one good to have a little donut action here you had to wash out the little king's taste is that round out thing? the diet here this is great pop quiz coming up by the way could you not have done this at the beginning of the commercial break mark i, I ran down as quick as i could i was kind of curious where mark went yeah i told him i was like it's gonna be quick i have to run down and run back up because we're on a short break can we just take another break sure I'm kidding. All right. Last bite right there. Thank you, Q. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend, man. That was very nice of him. Uh, Pop quiz. I think it's pretty doable. Scotty said a six. Uh, This is a joke. Do you do the second donut or do you wait? No, we'll wait. Well, I can't speak for you, but I got a full work day ahead, Kev. I got to pace myself. What, What do you got? What do you got? Uh, we got all kinds of IndyCar action coming up at 1.50. 1.50 p.m. from Detroit. Uh, all right, 317-239-1070. Donut in the belly. We're ready to go here. Uh, Jake, at number one through eight. Uh, we will go with number four. Number four is who, Mark? Don. Don. Hello, fellas. Don, how are you, man? Good. I'm back on the radio. Let's go, Don. <laughs> When's the last time you've been on? Uh, been about a month ago. Nice. I won two, I won two times in a row on a Friday. Wow, well, it's freebie Friday, Don. So I like it. Well, yeah. I won either way, but I came on today, fellas, to guess all five correctly. Look at that. Determined man here on this Friday Determined, morning. Yes, sir. Don, what's your favorite donut? Oh, I like the, uh, uh what's the ones, uh, Bavarian cream. Okay. Oh, okay. That's Don, I can't recall. Are you a married fellow? Sophisticated. Yes, sir. You are? Okay. Yeah. Uh, kids for you, Don? Got two grown kids and uh, one grandson. Okay, well, that's cool. Nice. Um, How old's the grandson, Don? Uh, he's 13. I'm uh, going to try to teach him to golf this uh, summer. Oh, awesome. Where are you guys going to golf at? 
Uh, well, uh, I'll probably take him to the par three down there on the south side just to get him uh, oriented. And then uh, if we get to where we're going, we could always play best ball. And I play pleasant run a lot. Love it. Pleasant run. Tenth hole, wild green there. Where does the grandson go to school, Don? He goes to Whiteland. Okay. My honors. Yeah, actually, I had two grandsons, but his older brother uh, at 15 uh, went to sleep one night, didn't wake up the next day. He had uh, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, oh and uh, since then, uh, I've seen a, a picture of him down in Tampa where they're doing testing for that for kids. You know, Don, um, Don I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that as well. My yeah, um, yeah. My girlfriend's niece at the same age... I yeah. uh, had the same thing, Exa- literally exactly what you just described. So I know how, uh, you know, that never goes away. So, you know. No, horrible. Yeah. Well, Don, um, I hope you can have that special bond with your other grandson on, on the golf course. I think it's one of the beauties of golf. It can, um, you know, get generations out there that are oh, yeah, far it. apart out there. So, at Golf Center, is that where you're going? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Nice. Nice. I was disappointed to see Shorty's closed, Jake. Up on the north side, did you ever venture to Shorty's? Shorties? Yeah, right by uh, what Five Seasons used to be. Really? Yeah. And they closed. They put some apartments up there. What's Five Seasons going to be? It's still just right sitting there, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Don, would you like for me, that would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? I'll go with you this time, Jake. All right, here we go, Don. The Miami Heat are just the second number eight seed to reach the NBA Finals. They joined the 1999 Knicks. How many games did the Knicks win in the 1999 NBA Finals? Zero, two, three, or they were swept. God bless. Who did they play? No, 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 no. You missed a question. <laughs> you missed one there. How did, what I did I miss? Zero, two, three, or they were swept. Zero. Oh, sorry, sorry. Same. Zero, one, two, or three. Sorry, the donut oh. is killing me there. Zero, okay. one, two, or three. Probably the one I, I missed. Actually, is the irony. Well, I'll say one because I'm not sure since you're not giving a hint. I can see why you missed it. It's only bold and in yellow. I know. I (laughs) totally screwed that up. All right, Don. Back on track here for number two. Mr. Jokic had his customary triple-double in the Nuggets game one win over the Heat last night in the NBA Finals. Jokic had 27 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists for Denver, becoming just the second player in NBA history to lead both teams outright in points and assists in his Finals debut who was the first? Was it A, Allen Iverson, B, MJ, C, Magic, or D, Steph Curry? Oh, God. I'll, I'll say Magic. This guy loves golf. Loves golf. My brother got his autograph at Prairie View Golf Course in Carmel back in the day. Oh, Michael. Okay, question number three. Name the only other player besides Jokic to record a triple-double in his first NBA Finals game. Was it Jason Kidd, Russell Westbrook, LeBron, or Magic? Damn. I'll go with Magic again. Okay. Third time's a charm, maybe, on Magic right here. Okay. All right. Jokic and Jamal Murray, Don, are just the second pair of teammates to each have 25 points and 10 assists in a Finals game. Who was the first was it A, Bert and McHale, B, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, C, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, or D, Magic... I had a donut burp. Apologies there. Uh, <laughs> D, Magic Johnson and James Worthy. Oh, gee. This is more than a six today, boys. Don, Don go with your gut on this one. Magic. <laughs> there you go, Don. Hey, I, I got a big gut with them Bavarian creams, brother. <laughs> 
All right, here we go, Don. Question number five. Don, do you want to come, by the way? Uh, Diet Cokes are perfectly sufficient. I probably asked you this before. You'd be fun at the PBR party. Can we chalk you up if we ever do this? Oh, absolutely. I'm a Diet Coke fan now, but I'd go. Yeah, that's okay. cool. Probably 2032 right. is when we'll have it, but yeah. <laughs> we, will, right. we will keep you posted, Don. Right up. Yeah, well, we had a bit of a curveball last week, Kevin. Uh, question number five. Easy now. <laughs> 140 years ago tonight, the first night baseball game involving a professional team took place. In which Indiana city, also known as the Summit City, did this game take place on June 2nd of 1883? A, Indianapolis, B, Kokomo, C, Fort Wayne, or D, Evansville? God. Summit City. I'd like to go to a 10-caps game, I think. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to guess Evansville. Evansville had the triplets and then the otters as well. Other corner of the state there? <laughs> yeah, 10 caps. Yeah, I haven't heard of them. Fort Wayne? You say Fort Wayne? Is that what you said? Fort Wayne. Okay. Yeah, lock Fort him in. Wayne. Fort Wayne, all right. Fort <laughs> Wayne there. All right, I completely screwed up question number one, but the reality is in 1999, the Knicks won one game. Yay. against uh, the Spurs, so he was correct on that. Uh, MJ, good to go yeah, there for number correct. two. Let's go! Number four was correct. Magic and James Worthy. Fort Let's Wayne go! was correct. But in 2002, the Nets took on the Lakers, and Jason Kidd got a triple-double in his first finals appearance. Don, stand the line, man. Freebie Friday. Uh, we come back. Pretty uh, awesome story of, I guess, perseverance. For a guy that's going to be racing this weekend, a lot around the area, as a matter of fact, in USAC. We'll explain what we're talking about next. 16 minutes before 10 o'clock on a Friday. Good morning to you, Jake Quarry, along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. And we are about to get underway in terms of USAC National Midgets with Indiana Midget Week. That means seven races and eight nights across the state beginning on Sunday at the uh, Tri-State, easy for me to say, Speedway. Then on Monday, and I actually went out uh, last week, I was at Circle City Raceway, and I'll tell you what, that is a fabulous facility down on the southeast side of the Marion County Fairgrounds. They've got all new dirt they laid down, and you want to talk about family-friendly, it was great. They're going to be night number two on Monday at Circle City Raceway. Joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline is a guy that's going to be racing in those races and more, and... God, what a story, Jake. Yeah, it wasn't long ago when Jason Persley probably thought to himself, I don't know that I'll be back in the car, uh, but this is a story of great perseverance and triumph, and he joins us now. Uh, first off, Jason, how are you, man? Good morning to you. Good morning to you guys. How are you? Uh, we are well, thank you, and and I know people are excited about you know being able to watch a lot of racing here upcoming around the state, including, as I mentioned, Circle City Raceway on Monday. But I want to begin with your story. Take me through what happened to you, and it hasn't been long ago. I mean, we're talking, what, a year and a half ago in Arizona. Um, I'm guessing that there was a time where you wondered if you were ever going to race again. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, There was a time come November 13th when I you know, had a bad accident and uh, suffered a broken neck and a spinal cord injury and, and didn't know what my future held. So, um yeah, it's crazy to look back at just a year and a half ago that um, I was sitting there not able to move anything and um, question, questioning a lot of things. So just very, very thankful and blessed to still be doing what I love and, um, you know, really excited to, to get going with Indiana Midget Week, which I missed last year. And um, just uh, just pretty crazy to realize how busy I am the month of May and then um, going into June. 
Jason, if you don't mind, could you kind of walk us through post-accident, um, just your your general thought process, whether it was just living-wise, racing-wise, and, and when did this become a reality maybe to you that like, oh, wow, uh, there is a real opportunity that I can get back into the car doing what I love? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty soon I kind of realized that, you know, of course I wanted to get back in the car and there wasn't no, like, effect of me not wanting to um it was just a matter of like just putting in the work and and getting there right and and i felt like i had a crazy amount of support group in the racing community with my mom on facebook um doing all those things and just keeping everyone up to date and um where they could pray for me and and do all those things so the support group was you know what really helped me day by day where like i had the like almost confident or competitive edge like I do in the race car, like outside and in, in life to like, you know, just do everything and get up and move every day and, and just work hard to, to get back where I want to be. So, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely challenging times. And, um, I talked to a sports psychologist, Modi performance, and, and, um, he definitely got my mind right where I wasn't thinking about the wrong things. I was always thinking about the positive things and, and wanting to work hard every day to improve and, and not get stuck in a slump. So I just had a very good, you know, group of people around me, and um, that made it very easy for me to keep on uh, keeping on each day and getting better and better. Was there, um, you know, there's always in racing, people always look at it and go, man, those guys are just crazy, and gals. I mean, I realize men and women both race, but, you know, I've seen your accident. It was obviously pretty horrific. Um have you watched it? And if you have, do you think to yourself, I can't believe that's me? <laughs> yeah, I've watched it. I've watched it probably too many times. I think the the views on um, YouTube might have half of them be me. But um, no, it's just something that I just, just had to figure out what happened and what truly went down um, the night, you know, when I kind of remember woke up in a hospital of like, oh, wow, this like, you know, really happened or or whatever and, it, and it's pretty crazy to look back at it and realize that that i went through that and um just just crazy to think that i was inside of that race car as it was flipping like that do you was there a definitive moment because the reason i asked Dason, Dason personally is our guest and he's going to be one of those participating in usac national uh of course indiana midget week is part of the usac national midgets circuit here getting underway sunday in the state of indiana seven different tracks in eight nights I think that, that this can be an example for people in all walks of life where people look at it and, and wake up one morning and realize that maybe what they love is suddenly gone in any facet, and they have to dig deep to find the motivation that carries them forward. What was that for you? What was the moment and what was the motivation where you said, because you had to learn total rehabilitation do you remember the defining moment where you just simply said i'm going to push the accelerator here uh it's it's really hard to tell what moment exactly pushed me to that that way to like all right i need to i want to get back to where i was i think it was just just a combination of like kind of everything of like racers i feel like have a really really strong mindset and they want to get back to what they really really love to do and and that so that helped a lot is i want to race again and then um waking up every day and just hearing on the early stages like when i couldn't pick up my phone or do any of those things like my mom would just kind of read all what everyone is saying and um then when i could pick up to my pick up my phone and kind of look at it for myself i'll just read everyone's 
just supportive comments and, and everyone on social media. And that's kind of what, what kept me like driven, I guess, necessarily to just, like I said, work hard every day and to get better and to prove that these people, to prove to the people that like you can, you can still get this done with, with no matter what the doctors say or what the circumstances land in your life, that, that you can still overcome almost anything in life. You were diagnosed initially as an incomplete quadriplegic. I can kind of figure out what that means, but can you elaborate on the diagnosis and then where you are in terms of your recovery now and in terms of feeling back to the way you were before you strapped into that car? Yeah, so um, I broke C C four is like shattered, like completely gone. So then they um, went in there and put a metal plate in the front of my neck through C three through C five. Um, so three vertebrae are like pretty much welded together necessarily. Um, and then I have a, like a major major spinal cord injury. So after surgery, an incomplete quadriplegic means like you're paralyzed from the neck down. Like you shouldn't be really moving any, anything to be honest. So, um, it's just pretty crazy to be diagnosed with that or, or was diagnosed with that. And now look, look, and I have, you know, all my movement back where I can move things. And then, um, to this day, my left hand is still kind of just, just slower. Like I can move it and, and do everything. It's just, it just takes time. It's like when the weather gets cold, it really doesn't like that. It really likes the hot weather that we're getting into now. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, I'm very, very thankful and blessed to to have what I have today and, and to not be able to, to have any on or be on any medications or go to any therapy. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty thankful for where, um, where I'm at looking back at it. And he's Jason Persley. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You got midget week coming up, seven races and eight nights all around the state here of Indiana. He'll be in the number 19 car. Jason, has there been moments this year where you've been in the car getting ready to race or even mid-race and thought back to the crash? Um, Not really, no. As, as, soon, as, you, as soon as you put the helmet on, all your, all your thoughts kind of go away and um, it's just almost like you're invincible again. Like, oh, nothing, nothing will hurt me anymore. Um, and it's it's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, once once you put on the helmet, all your worries and everything kind of go away, and you just go out there and uh, focus on trying to get the job done. Jason, for the, let's say you're, you know, we were one of the whatever three hundred some thousand at the Indy five hundred coming up on Sunday, but are unfamiliar with USAC and, and I guess how it looks and, and what what the major appeal is of it. Uh, give us a little elevator pitch on why coming out to one of these venues around the state is something to do next week. Yeah, Indiana Midget Week is just crazy, top tier racing. Um, I'm talking, it's it's like you guys are saying seven seven races in eight days and, and we've already been kind of going on. I think my schedule was like, I think it was 10 races in 11 days. And then I had like two days off from like a nine race and 10 days. So, um, just the month of May and just the, you know, leading into June is just pretty unbelievable around Indianapolis. So, um, if you really want to come out there and watch some really tough grassroots racing and, and some young kids and older people get the job done, it's, uh, it's going to be uh, one to watch for sure. Man, I'll tell you, I, when I was at Circle City Raceway, the one thing that was amazing to me is, you're watching a race and you see somebody that's 
you know, that's going wide in the turns. You're going basically sideways through and the dirt's flying. And you think, okay, this guy's got it lock, stock, and barrel. And then you realize that if, if somebody picks the wrong line, somebody comes sweeping on the outside. That's what's so fun about it is it literally is like a group of marbles. You have no idea who's going to end up leading a lot. I'm sure you guys do in the car. But when you're watching, man, it's crazy to watch. Yeah, it's it's definitely exciting. The the sprint cars on the little, you know, Indiana bordering track is is something to watch and, and the midgets are just I feel like even better on these little tracks. So, um yeah, when when these Indiana tracks get real racy, it's it's kind of hard to to tell who's going to win or tell anything and um the track changes so much that you just have to kind of keep up beat with it and, and hit your marks and and do the best you can. Last question for you here, Dason. You guys, it's a little bit different than because, as you mentioned, you're kind of racing all over the place. I mean, it's almost like a barnstorm tour. But psychologically, and I guess physically in your case as well, but psychologically speaking, how tough is it to race seven races and eight nights and just churn from one night to the next? It's it's pretty hard. Um, honestly, I like kind of when they did Indiana Midget Week without any break days, so you just done it like back to back to back. Um, I just kind of feel like it it's just grueling and tiring, and um, I feel like I'm, I'm mentally and physically stronger to some some people, and, and you can kind of beat those people down when they get tired or, or just out of shape or just have a bad week. It's just kind of mentally tough. So, um, yeah, I, I personally like these long, tiring kind of deals, so you can just kind of weed out the the weak people and and see who really wants to get the job done come at the end of the week um and i think it's uh i think it's really really fun to get after it um and and honestly we're out here doing it for a living and it's our job so so seven days on the road is is honestly kind of nothing certainly nothing weak about your story dason it is incredible one looking forward to you continuing to do what you love congrats on getting back into car now you're having a pretty good season as well good luck next week and i appreciate the time this morning yeah, thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me on. It's Jason Persley right there. Uh, Jake, remarkable. Thank you, remarkable Definitely. story. Definitely. Thank you, man. And those are some you know kind of cool cities coming up here over the next week. Oh, you I'm can, telling you. He can head out to. Starts a little bit north of Evansville. Then you got, obviously, here, Circle City Raceway in Indy, Gas City, Putnamville, Bloomington, Lawrenceburg, and round things out up at the Kokomo Speedway. It's a lot of fun, man. Great food, too. Get yourself a tenderloin. All right, Detroit race for Jake. Uh, coming up on Sunday, I'll be at Colts OTAs later today, so head to our website, 1075thefan.com. We'll have a story up from that. Everybody have a great weekend. Stay cool if you can. We'll talk to you on Monday. Kevin and Corey, signing off.